A long time ago, in a faraway village, well, actually not that long ago, in more of a community, really, there was a place called the Internet whose jewel of a podcast in which the weebs did rule was Dub Talk. The weebs of Dub Talk were always known to be troublemakers wherever they went, using their foul mouths and bad content to give the other weebs a bad feeling when they are around. They also would always spoil another weeb's fun by ruining stories such as Okami-san and her seven companions, that the others would often need to speak to them after they've completed the show. And while they were very kind and sincere, they always had such strong opinions on anything they discussed that sometimes the entirety of Dub Talk would argue against. Yada yada yada, you know the story by now. I mean, you've sat through over 200 episodes of this, so I can't believe I'm still explaining this to you. Nonetheless, let us begin today's story, one that's filled with drama, romance, and some celebratory wishes. Shall we begin? A long time ago, in a podcast far, far away, where unicorns talked like Jameson Price and Patrick Seitz tapped you on the shoulder and said you are doing a good job. There were three little dub talking elves. There was Stephanie, the pretty one. Hello, I am here. There was Hardy, the manly one. Hello, I am here. And there was Megan, the screamy one. We don't talk about Andrew, the cancelled one. <laughs> He's waving hello. I'm staring at him. He has no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> Good. We like to keep things that way. Good. <laughs> There's also Gigi, the sassy one. Zenith, the adorable one. Jet, the smart one. Lack, the crafty one. And Roots, the sleepy one. Oh yeah, and Amon, the skeletal one. And Jamal. And, and, and Jamal, the... Shit, I, I don't know what to give Jamal. <laughs> Shit. Uh, and don't forget Dopey, no a clue. Uh, God, you're forgetting everybody Dunk. today. Dunk. And Jackson, the editing one. The editing one, yep. Jackson counts. Jackson counts. Yeah, Jamal gets to be the cool one. And what about Noah? Oh, the nope. animated one. Or Dopey, we take that too. Oh, that's true. I, I, I like Dopey better. I love you, Noah. And tonight, the original three little fair dub talking elves mm-hmm. got together and decided to talk about our 2010. Shit, I forgot what year this came out. Okay, you're right, 2010. <laughs> and they got together to talk about a 2010 little anime about fairy tales, punching, and beating the shit out of your attempted rapist. Okami-san and her seven companions. Wow, trigger warning right there. I'm not wrong. You're not wrong, but Lord, jumping into that, I didn't realize you were going in for that. I didn't either, and it just happened. Hey guys, it's time for me to drop the fairy tale act. It's Megan here with the other original goats. And if you're wondering where the hell the anniversary episode for Mushishi is, it's currently on vacation in Miami. (laughs) Yep. Sorry guys, it's a little complicated, and I'm going through some shit right now, so I don't really have... 
the time and energy to put together the Mushishi episode because it ended up being a lot more complicated than I thought. At the same so at the same time, though, I will admit, I think this is a better fit for your anniversary episode than Mushishi is. I'm not gonna lie. Why? Because it's, because it's angry and punches things? No, because you... The reason, the main thing why we started this anniversary thing to begin with was we were looking for shows that had a special place in our hearts, and I know this one has a special place in yours. Yeah. So it's a better fit for you, it honestly. It does. I, I, I love this show. I think I have shilled this show to so many people. Yup. What is like, this? Like, I'm always just like, you can... we're talking about Okami-san and her seven companions, a 2010 anime from Studio JC staff. There's a bug in this room, and I'm gonna kill it. <laughs> um, As I drink and almost spit out some coffee. Great. Please don't do that. No, we're here to talk about Okami-san and her seven companions, a 2010 anime from JC staff that was dubbed by Funimation. The plot summary is as follows. Set in Otogibana uh, City, Okami-san and her seven companions follows the rights of Ryuko Okami and her friends and companions in her service uh, at the Otogi High School Bank. They essentially are a group of high school students who do favors uh, in return for other favors. So essentially they are the mob. Um, they are the most colorful mob you'll ever see in the world. They are the most colorful um, and outrageous mob you'll ever mob. see. And you're Essentially, not this the story is about Ryoko Okami, a tough girl who fights her way out of things, who is approached by a ultra-shy boy named, uh, fuck. Ryoshi. Uh, you can tell Megan has her notes. Um... Approached by an ultra-shy boy named Ryoshi, who has a f- has ophthalmophobia or a fear of people staring at him, along with Ryoko's roommate Ringo, the world's sassiest lolly gremlin. <laughs> they essentially go around doing favors for people, wacky hijinks ensue, and a bit of uh, drama. Uh, so tonight we dun, are dun. here to talk. <laughs> I can't work under the- I can't work under these conditions. <laughs> Good night, everybody. We just got here. This isn't Beauty and the Beast. Nobody from the cast of Law and Order's in this movie. (laughs) In this show. I've had coffee. This is my second cup. Because I learned that recording while having coffee works better now. And I'm not yawning in the middle of shit. It's also a decision I should probably... Spaceman Hardy is just in the corner. Like, yep, I'm stuck with these two again. Mm -hmm. He's just here. I'm surrounded by idiots. Uncle Scar? (laughs) Uncle Scar? Uncle, Uncle Hey, Uncle Scar. Scar, guess what? I'm gonna be king. No. You're so old, no. Uncle Scar. Are you so old? No, he's... Yeah, for all of you wondering who the... F- who the what fucking member of Law and Order was in Beauty and the Beast? Jerry Obark, uh, Obark was a uh, Lumiere. <laughs> yes! So, yeah. So, yeah. If you've ever seen, like, old older Law and Order, like, original OG Law and Order... Yeah, that dude was the, the... And now we present your dinner. Um, Beauty and the Beast, however, is not a fairy tale in this because the other fun fact about Okami-san and her seven companions is that every single character on the cast is based off of some sort of fairy tale. Their personality, their kind of backstory, their name. All of it is kind of based... Or their personalities are all kind of based off it. So tonight, not only will we... Re- it's been a weird week as of the time of this recording oh i'm just gonna say that what? uh we unfortunately week. now live in a world where a dub for the irregular magic high school exists yep 
And please don't ask us to review it, please. Please don't. Look, Josh! Look here, it's, there's a good shot. I'm looking right the fuck at you, Crimson! Look here, we're, we're probably gonna get stuck with it eventually, just don't even ask anymore. Because if we ask not for people not to say it, we're gonna get people to say, hey, do it! You realize that, right? This is how we're gonna end up with an episode on Iten, and I know it. <laughs> oh god, fuck. Oh, Iken, not a fairy tale, but a horror story. <laughs> you know it's not a horror story? The directing and writing team of the stub. Segway! Who we're, who we're going to get to. Uh, because, you know, to have a, a good dub, you need a good director and writing team. And I am flailing around like a fish out of water. You're fine. So, because we are talking about a dub that has long been dubbed, I think this probably came out on DVD back in, like, 2013. Twelve, actually. Uh, Twelve, thank you. So, it's at least an eight-year-old dub. We are going to um, be reviewing the entirety of the dub, uh, its cast, its characters, yada, yada, yada. Uh, You know the drill. You've sat through, like, 200-plus episodes of this shit. And we thank you for it. We do thank you for it. Thank you for your time, your consideration, and uh, what the fuck are you doing here? Basically, I just did. I just did the wink from like that little boy and a paranoid agent who has a mental breakdown. Oh, Yuichi Tyra. Yuichi Tyra, aka. Okay, under a pseudonym, under under a different name, but you know what? Fuck it. (laughs) Aka Johnny Young Bosch, baby Johnny Young Bosch, baby Bosch. Alright, so talking about our director and our writing team, our director is one Colleen Quickenbeard, and our writers are Chuck Huber and Jamie Markey. Colleen Quickenbeard, you'll know, is the director for such series as My Hero Academia, Tokyo Ravens, and everyone's favorite punching bag, Fractal. Oh. <laughs> ah, I own it now. Because the LE was going out of print and I got it for 10 bucks. That's still $10 more than deserved to be spent on fractal. You could have bought two $4 meals at Wendy's and still had change left over. Look here. And, better, le- and le- been more satisfied. I am more satisfied at the fact that I did not pay full price for it. For one. And two. Like, Bitch, you could have had a double stack. I don't care. You could have had a double stack. I try not to eat Or fast a JBC. Food. I try not to eat fast food as much, all right? Oh. So what am I going to do? I can't I mean, have, I, I don't usually eat I fast mean, food the anymore. the only fast food she likes, the only fast food she likes is when Andrew takes his pants off. Are you telling me I like hot dogs right now? Yes. <laughs> I mean, hot dogs are delicious, so. And and they're also more satisfying than a copy of Fractal. Mm. <laughs> but I also don't have to pay for this hot dog you speak of. Uh, we need to wh- stop so- this before it goes too far. <laughs> Hardy's like, do I have to get the spray bottle now? So Steph would rather spend $10 on Fractale than two double stacks. I also, look here, I also spent $10 on Blood Sea and Codebreaker and what the fuck else did I get for 10 bucks? <laughs> oh. Tokyo Ravens? No, I didn't. That Tokyo Ravens is at something else. Uh, I got Prison School for 10 bucks. Oh, I got Selector Infected. I got... Um, Saying you got selector infected without saying recross sounds like you got a horrible disease. <laughs> shit! <laughs> Bottom line! Oh shit, I've come down with the Okadas. Bottom line, best 50 bucks I spent getting five LE sets going out of print for 10 apiece, so fuck you. 
Unfortunately, one of them is still Fracktail. Uh, our writers, Chuck Huber... Chuck Huber has written series such as Sergeant Frog. He also wrote the OVA Wolf and Amber Collard Melancholy and Strike Witches. Jamie Markey wrote a series such as Blood Sea, Oedo Rocket, and World End. I am not saying the entire name of that show. I don't have it in me. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. All right, Miss uh, Ten. I spent $10 on Fractail and all I'm getting is disappointment. Why don't you go first? Look here, Fractal may be a, a mild disappointment, but I still, personally, I still have fun with it. Anyway, um, oh my god, it's been a few years since I've watched Okami-san, first of all. Um, but going back to the show, dear sweet lord, I forgot how fun of a show this is. I really did. Oh man, because there's only one main thing I remember from the show, and I'm a little sad because we're going to talk about it probably almost immediately um but I'll, I'll hold off on that but i love the directing and especially the writing on this show holy shit the di on directing wise i i love what colleen did the casting is so much fun and this being a early 2010s dub it's what you would probably expect it to be um with casting that's you, like I would say a pretty good amount of Funimation regulars at that time um, but they were put in such fun roles and they had like get to have so much fun and there's a lot of energy to this dub and I love it so so much the writing though oh my god I know we've I know we've been critical of some of the writing on other shows specifically that Jamie has done before um, we don't get to talk about Chuck as a writer really often or ever, honestly. But this is probably one of the better written shows, especially in Jamie's arsenal, I think. Because because of the whole fairy tale theme and all this different whimsical uh, moments in the show, Chuck and Jamie had must have had so much fun writing this because you hear a lot of fairy tale references and a fun a bunch of fun little one-line gags and things like that. And they were used, some of the one-line gags that you would normally think would not work very well actually work, um, especially for comedic moments. Like, <laughs> like there was quite a few one-liners like Balderdash or someone was referred to as a PYT at one point. Uh, if you know the Michael Jackson song PYT, Pretty Young Thing, that got me, I lost my shit. Um, and then... I think one of my favorite things were some of the Disney like quotes and one-liners that were in this, and there was quite a few. <laughs> like there was, um, uh, there was very early on. There was one uh, "Tale as Old as Time" was used. Later on, there was one uh, "A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes" was used. Um, this script had so much fun. It decided to take a little bit of liberties on it and be... I haven't watched the Japanese before, unfortunately. I feel like it took a little bit of liberties on it and played it a little bit loosely, but not too much that you lose the entire, um, entire consistency and the entire, um, theme and pace of the show. So, I really have to commend the writing on this one. It was so much fun! Like... There, I have I have so many notes. <laughs> oh my god, another fun one that I'm pretty sure we all died at. 
Um, if you guys, if you boys do a good job, I'll give you some bouncy time later. <laughs> like, this show and the writing has so much fun. And I think that's definitely one of the highlights of the, of the dub on this one is the writing and what it decided to do with it. But um, even for an eight-year-old dub, I think it still holds pretty well, in all honesty. Um, there might be one or two small hiccups here or there, but otherwise than that, it, I, it's so enjoyable to me. I have to agree, largely agree with Stephanie on a lot of points. It definitely sounds, casting-wise, like a 2012 Funimation dub. Um, I mean, there's just so many names that went on to do bigger shows, and... Um, and they're just, it's its nothing, I would say that it's adventurous, but you don't really need something adventurous right here. You need something that's just sort of settled in and, and sounds familiar. And, um, and yeah, I can't think of a bad performance in this entire show. Uh, it's solidly cast. It is um, excellently directed. And the writing is definitely, definitely more liberal than, than most dubs that most dubs that you see but um but yeah the fact that they took the liberties with it really made the difference with it and there were some times i just just almost bust my gut laughing just at the most random thing that they would say one part that i really really liked <laughs> is that they're talking to ryoko and they mentioned that hey maybe you should uh you, you and ryushi were meant for each other and she straight up goes hell no nah. So. Yep. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Yeah. I think that was a nice touch to it. So, so yeah, I, um, it's a nice little dub. It's a nice little show, and, uh, and I had fun with it. I do have some, a bit of minor, um, issues with it, but we'll get to that coming up next. Yeah, no, this is a dub that is a lot of fun, and that's what I think goes into it. I don't think that the fun necessarily 100% detracts from the drama in the show because there are points of the show that are genuinely very heavy. And when we get to those characters... You're, yeah, you're right. Like, as fun as and as many liberties as the show did take on the directing thing and writing front, it still didn't detract it when it actually needed to have those drama moments. Yes. Because there were moments that it was surprisingly dark. Yep. Yeah, this show is a show that I think... Um, a lot of people don't, like, okay, a big thing about this show is that it was done by JC staff, mm -hmm. and there's a point later on in the show, I think it's in episode seven or eight, where um, this little this little kid comes around looking for a bride. Oh, God. And, and we're not talking about that character. We're not talking about those characters. <gasps> um, one, fuck that butler. Fuck that butler. Um, so bad. Two... Uh, a big thing of this show is that that section uh, features cameos from not only uh, characters that have already been in the show at that point, but the cast of Toradora and uh, a certain a certain scientific railgun yes. show up. So this is technically in canon. There's like a bunch of canon in Soaks. And so a lot of people, or that I've at least talked to, uh, compare this show to Toradora and the, and the railgun franchise. And in a lot of cases, there are so many people that praise the Torador dub as being spectacular, one of the best out there. Um, I, I don't know how many people praise the, the Index Railgun franchise 
dubs because number one, looking at Raildex as how the fuck do I watch this mm-hmm. is like asking an anime fan to perform a to perform brain surgery. <laughs> you like, know, you're, you're gonna need at least sep- you're gonna need at least like two wikis and a beer. <laughs> So I think in a lot of cases that this dub, because it is from that pedigree of, hey, this show looks like and has a lot of staff from those two shows, let's compare those dubs. And do I think that this is necessarily as strong as, say, something like Toradora? I don't think so. Like, Toradora is its own animal, but it's also a completely different type of show from this. Right. Um, This show leans a lot more into its comedy but has a lot of really heavy moments. And I do think that it's, this isn't the fault of the dub. I think this is more the fault of the show is that it is only 12 episodes long and it ends very openly. And despite having completed novels just after when this aired, this is a series that's going to go on my uh, seven seas surveys now for light novels. Cause I didn't realize all the light novels were done and there's only 12 of them. Hmm. Okay. Um, this show leans a lot into its comedy, and the dub does too, but I don't think it ever detracts from the main show. There's a lot of really funny one-liners. There's references to other Funimation shows that were out at the time that I noticed. There's a Sergeant Frog reference. There's one of one of the other favorite lines, one of my other favorite moments in the show is between uh, Otsu and that butler. Yes, Where they ask if you say. have a name like Sebastian. Like, there's an overt reference to other Funimation properties, Black one. I wrote that da- that line down specifically because I wanted to bring it up. It's, um, it was the narrator, and because Otsu was talking to the butler character, and all she says is, a butler named Sebastian? Well, that's original. No. Yeah. And I think he makes, like, I, does he make a Rin Daughters of Memmacine joke back at her, of all things? I don't know. About, I don't know what the, he says back to Otsu. Like, I couldn't actually decipher what that joke was. But there's a lot of stuff like that. There's a lot of fun ways to say boobs uh, in this show. Dumplings. Um, dumplings. <laughs> that 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 we'll get into in a little bit. Um, because that actually has a very specific joke as a reason. Oh, man. Um, great. I have some other... I had some other one-liners written down in here. Um, Neko might be puss in boots, but we all know who the real puss is. Yep. Uh, she's also... Uh, a woman's jealousy is blacker than the ocean's chasm. You can run screaming now. Um, uh, another one. Uh, somebody in the walla of this. If I don't know if Hardy, if you caught it. I know I did. Is the second time they're going through Onigashima High and uh, the big uh, boar guy hits somebody very quietly in the walla of the background. Ow, my spleen. <laughs> No, they, like, they had there's fun. There's a lot, like, there's, there, like, clearly they had fun doing this mm-hmm. stuff. This stuff, you, like, there are shows that you can tell the cast was having a good time on it. Um, this is something that I felt like it. And I do think that this is probably one of the Jamie dubs that I, I like a lot as a writer. Because Jamie does, Jamie is a very polarizing writer. And a lot of people don't like her stuff because it it's very humorous like this and it doesn't always fit the tone of the show. This is the show where I think like it balanced between the two enough. Yes. Um, so I, I don't have a lot of problems there. I, maybe there's like a casting or two that maybe sometimes the performance might be an itty bitty bit, like not as good as the rest of them, but I, I still genuinely enjoyed myself. Can I just give a quick shout out to Prince Charming in episode one? 
Oh, okay, yeah, we do have Can to bring this up. Can we bring this, this up, up real fucking quick, please? Oh, yes, yes, Yeah, because yes, we yes. all lost our, we lost our actual garbage fi- uh, when we realized who that was. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. Okay. I gotta say, you gotta love any dub that involves Kyle Phillips being kicked in the face multiple times. Bravo, sir. <laughs> I just... I, it's not even that he gets kicked in the face multiple times. It's that he learns he has a fetish for getting his face kicked in. Yes. I love it. Again. Harder. Oh, yeah. Uh, Again. One more time. What an ele- electric performance. Just, <laughs> and, and, and then the narrator at the end being like, that's a little weird. Yeah. Speaking uh, of. Love I you, KP. Can I, can, I, can I just say. Kyle Phillips MVP. We all collectively lost our shit. Probably I when find we knew it, it was him. I find it really funny that Brittany Karbowski was a Cinderella, and they both play characters that have electric railgun powers. Fuck. <laughs> You're right. Jesus Christ. Oh God. Right. Well, you all sit and stew in that. Let's talk about our first set of characters. Well, one of them's not a character. There is Machiko Himura. Rampu uh, Aragam, who I think I spelled his name wrong in here. Uh, I thought it was Aragami. Uh, Rampu Aragami. And because there is no better place to put this, this <laughs> the narrator. Because <laughs> the narrator is a character in and of themselves. themselves. And it's glorious. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Rampu- I have one request. Instead of putting the Monty Python god here, can what we put the Dis- Disney's fairy godmother or something like that? Yes. You know, well... <laughs> I mean, we could. I just hope Disney doesn't try and fucking flag us. <laughs> Dis- no, we're not playing the music. We're just putting an image. It's fine. Okay. I'll make it work somehow. Yeah. Yeah, no. But uh, yes, Machiko I like Himura, that uh, Machiko Himura is a poor girl who sees uh, Ryoshi coming out of his uh, his room, thinks that the whole place is his and is her meal ticket uh, because she is poor. Her dad put them in debt and daddy's gone out for cigarettes. And he's <laughs> she, not coming no, back. Dad went out for milk and is never coming. Home. He went out for milk and ciggies, and he's not coming back. Rampu is the uh, he is the principal of the school who helped found the Otogi Bank. He also is basically implied to be like the yakuza that runs the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a dirty old man who likes the girl members of the Otogi Bank. Uh, just to quickly go over their um, their fairy tales, Rampu is based off the genie from Aladdin. Is uh, he really? He- Really? Yes, his name his name is literally Lamp. Oh. Oh, I didn't know Rampu that. Rampu is just Lamp. Oh. Also, be it's imp- if you watch the episode about Ringo's backstory, she specifically has a dream of him uh, as a genie meeting her and says to him, Oh, shit. Uh, is it true that after working here for three years, you can have three wishes granted? I get it now. Okay. Now yeah. I get okay. it. Also, be his name is literally Lamp. I didn't know that. All right. <laughs> I don't I don't know anything <laughs> about Japanese outside of basic weeaboo shit, alright? Machiko is actually based off of the Little Match Girl. And for those of you who do hmm. not know what the Little Match Girl is a story by Hans Christian Andersen that a lot of people like to tote out around Christmas time of all things. Okay. And it is a story about a little girl who sells matches and she doesn't want to go home because she failed to sell them and her dad's going to beat her. Oh. She huddles down in the street and lights a match. Uh, she starts seeing visions of a happy life in the warmth. Uh, she sees a shooting star, and she remembers that her grandmother says that seeing a shooting star means that someone's going to heaven, and 
in the last of her flames, she sees happy visions of her grandmother. Uh, she then proceeds to die. Okay. And gets taken and is greeted in heaven by her grandmother. And a bunch of people walk by her frozen corpse and go, gee, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. The, haunt, the fairy yeah. tales of old were very dark back then. No, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Hans Christian, uh, Hans Christian becoming a human is, <laughs> become human is, Hans Christian's become human is, mermaid become human is a very painful experience. I was making a Detroit Become Human joke in there, and it died. Yeah. Just been, like the I, little match girl. I know nothing about <laughs> Detroit Become Human, all right? So that you're talking to a girl who doesn't, who's a casual video game person, all right? That's at, just least Hardy, at least Hardy got a dark chuckle out of that. Yeah. Actually, I confused it for no longer human, but that's a different uh, author entirely. <laughs> Osama Dazai has entered the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Osama Dazai intensifies. Osamu Dazai has entered the chat. Uh, playing Rampu is our Bruce Elliott. Playing uh, Machiko is Sherry Lee. And playing our wonderful narrator is Lucy Christian. Uh, our Bruce Elliott, you'll know his characters such as y- uh, Yujiro Kido in Barakamon, uh, Counselor Fidel in uh, um, Heavy Object, and Conrad in Romeo X Juliet. Sherry Lee, you'll know his characters such as Lucy Hartfilia in Fairy Tale, Road Camelot in the Greyman franchise. And because it is officially spoopy season, uh, Sunako Kirishiki in Shiki. Yes. Uh, Lucy Christian, you'll know as characters such as Erica Hartman in Strike Witches, uh, Yggdrasil in Radiant, and Yoko Takaoka in Smiled on the Runway. Which is really funny because this, I think, kind of came up because I talked about this show while talking about Smiled on the Runway. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, Hardy, you get to go first this time. Okay. Uh, I'll be very quick. Um, these are all really good casting choices all around the board. With uh, with with lamp, um, our Bruce Elliot has certain <laughs> lamp. Mister lamp, Mister lamp. Yes, I need amber lamps. Um, <laughs> but Did you uh, our, know that the German word for for ambulance is Krankenwagen. I do now, and now I can summon the Krankenwagen. Summon the Krankenwagen. But anyways, no. Uh, our Bruce Elliot has played no shortage of pervy old men. And here he is on point right here, uh, doing his best pervy old man voice. With Jeremy, she's played her no fair shortage of spunky young girls. And here she is playing a spunky young girl who actually is one of the only two panty flashes in the show. Yep. Yeah. And hers being on purpose. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Fun fact I learned, there's a difference in standards and practices between underwear and, and uh, swimsuits, even though they cover or expose the same amount of flesh. Okay. Yeah. No, I was watching. That's why when you watch something like Super Hex Arrows, which is airing right now, every they will w- completely cover up any, uh, any underwear shots. But bikinis are okay for some strange reason. I Probably. have no idea why. Bikinis are swimmer versus underwear. Yeah. One <laughs> so. you're supposed to wear on the outdoors, one on the indoors, even though they cover and expose the same amounts of places. But that's mm-hmm. that's weird. But that's that's just something that I learned. Probably, Interesting probably enough. Cause, probably because bikinis and bathing suits are more normalized compared to yeah. seeing right. women's These. underwear. So, I mean, that's yeah. There's no there's no shortage of fan service in this show anyways. So, no, um, not... Yeah. Or, or, or according to the narrator, fan disservice. Oh. Yes. <laughs> we'll, yes. get, we'll get to them later. No. Um, 
Yeah, because Machiko only shows up in the last episode, and which is which ironically takes place after the big final confrontation, which is weird. You usually would do that for something like an OVA, but here's it's the actual last episode of the show. Um, she does she does make an impression, but it's not as much as she could have if she had appeared earlier. So, let's talk about the narrator. <laughs> I honestly was thinking of suggesting to Megan that we actually talk about her last because she has by far the most lines of any character in the show. <laughs> and, oh boy, she's just such a troll. She's such a troll that even the characters break the fourth wall to stare at her. Lucy Christian's just so good here as the, as the you know, sarcastic, snippy fairy godmother type character and I think the, her writing is the best I think her her snips are the best the one thing I'm critical of is I think they give it too much of a good thing because she does talk over everything and she talks over so, she talks over the actors so much that you can't honest, a lot of times you can't make out what the characters are saying I guess my question, though, then is, is that a decision the dub did, or is it just the dub going with what the Japanese did? See, I'm under the assumption that it's the latter, but yeah, I haven't watched the, the Japanese. But so, um, at that point, I think it's just the Japanese, and they're trying to stay consistent with it, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it, it does, if, if I was to be critical of the show, it does do it a disservice, because mm -hmm. she will openly comment on things that are blatantly there. Like, here is Ringu in her school swimsuit. Yes, I can see that. Or, or here, Ryoshi is running down the street. Yes, I can see that. You don't have to tell us. Show, don't tell. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I mean, she is the most hilarious character in the show. So you give it some leeway. At the same time, it can be sort of a, a, a drag to get through. But in the end, all's well that ends well. Uh, I'm going to start with Arborus Elliot as well. He is a fun, pervy, crotchety old man. <laughs> Arborus Elliot is good as crotchety old men, like, a good percentage of the time. <laughs> like, there's not a lot to say about... I, I, can't, I can't call him by his actual name now. His name is Lamp. Thank you, Hardy. <laughs> as Lamp. Um, because... He only comes in really when it's convenient to either him or the plot in general. Um, and just to show like a little bit of minor power or authority. But I will admit, his little pervy moments are the little pervy moments that he has is kind of adorable. Because um, I think we really only have two interactions with him. Three, if you yeah. count Ringo's dream. One being when the club president gives the report, and he's just sitting there, he's like, you know, I did make the request to have one of the one of the girls in the club to come give me the report next time. And then the other one being what Megan had mentioned before, um, when Megan or Hardy, I can't remember who now, um, when Ringo goes to him, <laughs> it was Megan, I'm sorry, when Ringo goes to him and is like, hey, I heard that if you are part of the club and work for like three years, you can get three wishes. I want you to grant one wish for me now. Um, and he's just like, oh, I don't know. And then Ringo, just with a stupid gremlin smile, just goes to him and starts playing the granddaughter act. And he's just like oh, loving every moment of that. It's so funny. Like, you, 
he he does give off the authoritative figure um, role nicely, but of course, because he's a bit of a pervert, it's also hilarious. Um, Cheremy as Machiko is also, I think, rather enjoyable. She, she's very energetic and charming, and um, she's just has, has such this positive outlook and this positive attitude about her um, that when <coughs> you find out her deal and what actually is happening, you, you do feel bad for her, even though some of the shenanigans she pulls to try and get Ryoshi to marry her and everything are very, very questionable. Um, running toast in the mouth, trying to tackle him, showing panties, uh, <laughs> date in the park. Oh, it's so hot on Button's shirt. <laughs> like With her name on her, pan on her bra and panties, too. Her bra, yep. Like, oh, her methods are very... Does she write her name in all of her panties and her bras? <laughs> like, her methods are very questionable, but she... In her own mind, she means well, and she's very entertaining. Like Hardy said, though, like, she's just kind of there for one episode, and she doesn't have a ton to do. I think the biggest role that Mach Machiko does serve for that final episode is a little bit of a push for Ryoko um, to kind of get her feel like figure out her feelings for Ryoshi a little bit more um and gives a little cute ending to that episode I will admit I'm very very sad that we're talking about the narrator now cause this is the best performance of the show you cannot tell me otherwise I didn't know where to put her otherwise I, I know I know I know like narrator characters are very difficult but because it's like where the fuck do you put them in a cast list like this um and it's, much. it's just like where does she go but oh my god Lucy is just a delight <laughs> she is such a delight as this snarky sassy savage narrator that's very aware of everything like Every time an episode starts and you start with the generic intro from episode one about her describing the, the, the city and the high school, and then every episode after that, it changes. She's like, oh, you already know this already. It's like, ah, yada, yada, yada. It's like, oh my god. No, like, those the shift in the intros every single time is just so hilarious. She is, the narrator as a character is very self-aware. And it doesn't treat it as a traditional fairy tale. Some of the mannerisms and the way she speaks and tells the story is reminiscent to a narrator of a fairy tale, but you have the added twist in this case of her just being an absolute fucking troll. <laughs> and I think this show preceded Kami-sama Kiss. To which, if I remember right, Lucy is also the narrator for Kami-sama Kiss. <laughs> So, this created a fun little trend, I think, after the fact. And, um, no, Lucy is just a delight as narrator. Like, she has some of the best quips and the best lines in the whole show. Like, she has the, she had the Sebastian line. She had, uh, some of the things like A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes or, um, Tale of the Lotus Time, I think. She had... She had the PYT line. She had... She, I think Lucy got to have the most fun out of everybody in this show because she had such great lines and dialogue to work with. I will agree with Hardy on the um, issue of her coming in a little too much in terms of speaking. 
and especially over characters and the whole sh don't show like talk less show more kind of deal um, but again the problem is it's probably what happened with the Japanese so it had the transfer over to the English so for consistency's sake um, it's un it's unfortunate but I do agree with hearty sentiment on that but um yeah like the group of characters is is great and I love them but Lu <laughs> Lucy MVP of Okami-san you cannot tell me otherwise yeah no I think she's she's also the MVP of this I'll be really quick about Rampu uh, Arbertalia does a really good creepy old man. Uh, he is kind of creepy. He's a lot of fun the, the few times he pops up. So good job there. Sherami as uh, Machiko is a lot of fun. It reminds me a lot of her, like, spunky girl stuff. And, like, for some reason, I was like, SAO bloopers Asuna came to mind. Especially when okay. she's like, did you see my panties? Yeah, okay, I get it. I, I can hear it. Sure. She's a lot of fun, too. I do wish that this character showed up more, and I feel like in the novel, she probably was a bigger character going forward, but of course she comes in, like, right as the show ends. Let's talk about the MVP of the section, Lucy Christian, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who has a lot of fun, and I love her, like, kind of old lady voice that she uses for this. Yeah. Uh, it, it's so much fun to listen to. She has some of the best one-liners. Is it a little bit overbearing sometimes? Yeah. But I think that the trade-off of her delivery being so well, it kind you kind of look past it. Mm -hmm. um, she just has some some really fucking great lines. I, I particularly I show. particularly like her the best during the uh, episode where the butler keeps trying to get them married. Yep. And I love how she's like, "Are we going to talk about how these are children? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this weird? Like." Her being the audience, like, do you not fuck her? Do you fuck her? Stop! Think this is weird. Basically, do you think this is okay? Okay, like she's like, very that shit. She really is like great. the audience surrogate, one hundred percent. In for all intents and purposes. Like, well, I mean, she calls out people, Mimi's fans as pedophiles. She calls out Ryoshi for being a stalker. No, she doesn't call them pedophiles. Ringo calls them pedos. Oh, okay, That's but she word, does yeah. call Ryoshi a stalker, which yes. is yeah, yes. Yeah. She the 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 amount of self awareness that went into this is is top. -notch. Yes, one hundred percent. Um, she is the one that she is the one, however, that does call Ryoshi a puss. Mm. Yes. No, it was <laughs> Neko a puss. No, she calls Ryoshi one. No. Oh, the, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right. right. what was what was the exact was line it, again? It, it's a uh, he might be puss in boots, puss in boots, but we all know who the real puss is. Is she calls him a puss? Ryoshi calls him a puss. She calls Ryoshi a push. A push. Yeah, she calls him a pussy. Um, there's another part that caught me really good, too, where um, she's just she's so much fun. Yes. Yeah. And, like, somebody needs to make a super cut of all of her best one-liners. I'm just oh, saying. Oh, please. Like, <laughs> no. she is absolutely the best performance in the show, mm -hmm. and it sucks that we're talking about her so, so early. Yeah. Like, everyone else is really good, but, like, she's another level of good. Like... A lot of people, I think, would know Lucy Christian for her more, like, heroic characters. Like, your Ochacos, your Ducks, and your stuff. Namis. But, like, your Namis. But this is, like, peak comedy Lucy to yes. me. So, comedy troll so, Lucy. so, if you had to choose between uh, Lucy Christian, Ian Sinclair, or uh, David Wald as the best narrator, gun to the head... 
See, here's the problem. I would. I'm be sorry. Biased. I'm sorry, David. I have to pick Lucy. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I can only say Lucy because I haven't seen Ian or David as narrator characters yet. So I can only pick Chris, Lucy. Chris George is the narrator of Dinuitessa uh, sitting in the back with his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> also true. He's just like. He's just like. Yep. I'm not even fucking going in there. He's like, I'm just gonna sit here casually. No, I'm not no, he doesn't lie. have. His... He's also the black. Isn't he also the black clover narrator? Yes, he is. Yes. Actually, no, no, no. Chris. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like, if you actually had to ask me who my favorite narrator voice is, it's actually Chris George. No, because mm. that his narrator voice it's is part good. of my French. It's like buttered sex. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, no, no. It is very nice. Megan, Megan, he's not sitting in the back with a cup of coffee. He's sitting there with a nice cup, nice glass of scotch. <laughs> Touche. Just having a grand old time watching this this fight commence. He's just sitting here just casually like, mm, yes, indeed. Mm, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, his narrator voice is really cool. It is. We I don't, don't get agree to with you. We don't get to talk about it enough, but like Chris George's narrator voice. Yes, please. Chef's keys. Chef's keys. Uh, are we ready to move on to the next section of characters? Yes, yes ma'am. Let's flip the page onto a new set of fairy tales. We have uh, Saburo Nekomiya, uh, who is a boy that Ryoko uh, saved three years ago. He then wants to return the pa- favor by teaching Ryoshi how not to be a pussy. Um, yes. Slash fight. There is Yukime Murano, who is Ryoshi's aunt. She runs an apartment building with her house husband. She's also a writer under the pen name Yuki, who writes uh, teenage girl romance novels that Ryoko likes. And then, oh, good lord. (laughs) We have the dumplings. (laughs) The dumpling brigade. Two of them. Two of them that are very precious to the entire male, the entire male uh, population of the high school. Station of the school. Uh, Momoko Kibitsu, who is the head of the student council or student disciplinary force. And and to quote, it's not it's not just because she has good boobs. She's got personality, something, something, and a whip. Yep. <laughs> Basically, she has the the she has, at the end a whip portion from the three guys that always follow her is what killed me. To, um, to sum up Momoko, she has a body that doesn't quit, and she will kick your ass. And a whip. I, again, she she will kick your ass. <laughs> so boys will line up in droves. <laughs> Please, sir, may I have another? <laughs> Playing Saburo uh, Nekomiya, who is based on Puss in Boots, is Jerry Jewel. Playing Yukime Murano, who is based on the Yukiona, is Lydia McKay. And playing uh, Momoko Kibitsu, who is based off of Momotaro, is Stephanie Young. Jerry Julia knows characters such as Kiyosoma in Fruits Basket, Shinya Haragi in Seraph of the End, and Priapus in Maria the Virgin Witch. Lydia McKay, you'll know his characters such as Black Butler, uh, Madam Red in Black Butler, Slice in My Hero Academia Heroes Rising, and Katharina in Trinity Blood. Stephanie Young, you'll know his characters such as KK in Blood Bowl K Battlefront, uh, Madam in Human Lost and the Red Queen in Restaurant to Another World. And before we move on into actually talking about the characters, just to go over the um, myths behind everything, uh, Puss in Boots has been retold in a lot of different languages, but it is based off of an Italian story. Uh, To give a quick summary, it is about an anthropomorphic cat who is given to the youngest son in a Miller's family who uses trickery and deceit to gain wealth, power, and the hand of a princess... Uh, for his lowborn master, literally, this cat tricks people into getting his, into frankly getting his man some pussy. Uh, Ultimate I, I, Wingman, twenty twenty. And I yeah. do have to bring it out 
that a live action uh, version film of Puss in Boots was created. Do you have any idea who starred in the title role? Oh, Please say Brad Pitt. Christopher Walken. Oh my God! Did he use this weapon of choice? Of course he did. It's like <laughs> I'll have some boots. Yeah. <laughs> also, of course, uh, Antonio Banderas. Oh, oh uh, yes, yes. Yes. Everybody loves when Toei's mascot shows up in the Shrek movies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, You're talking to my you guy did... all wrong. You, you say that again, I will stab you in the face with the soldering iron. <laughs> The, the Yuki Ona has a lot of stories, but they are essentially the Japanese version of a snow woman. Uh, they've been used in a lot of media. Uh, interviews with Monster Girls has one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Momotaro is interesting. Momotaro is essentially the Japanese folklore of a born boy, a boy born from a giant peach, which was found by uh, floating down river by an old childless woman. Uh, they essentially uh, open it up. And they name him Momotaro, which is uh, Momo, the word for peach, and Taro, the oldest eldest son of the family. Uh, he essentially leaves to go fight a band of oni, or demons. Uh, and on his way there, he meets a talking dog, a talking monkey, and a talking pheasant, who agree to help him in his quest in exchange for a portion of his millet dumplings, or his rations. So essentially, uh, it's basically, uh, what was that? What was that one movie as a kid, like Thumbelina? Mm. It's it's Thumbelina, but Japanese fairy tale and talking animals. You right. And now this becomes really funny because, man, based if this goes based on the fairy tale, she really was giving those boys some of her dumpling times. Her bouncy time. <laughs> yeah, because bouncy time. Because there are three characters part of the whole fan club squad that are legit, basically referred to as the dog, the pheasant, and the monkey. Justin Cook, Justin Pate, and Josh Greeley. Yep. So, uh, that would have been great if they got all three Justins to three uh, Justins damn, that would have been funny. Josh the combo breaker. <laughs> yeah, your name starts with a J. Come on in. Come on in, my person. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is that before season five came out, uh, the very last episode of Samurai Jack was based on Momotaro. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jack and the baby. Yes, and this time Momotaro is a very, very busty uh, girl, which... Before we even start, so we're not talking about the the character who plays the butler, but there's that speech about g- boobs and gravity mm. at poor Momoko's expense. Yup. And I fucking lost it. Yup. <laughs> I love that. I love that uh, young master. If we live on a planet that unfortunately has gravity, basically, yep. Fucking, uh, fucking uh, Ken Williams as the butler, by the way. Fucking shitlord guy. You get to go first. Uh, Hardy went first last time, so now it's your turn. Oh, me? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm probably going to keep these relatively quick, because the majority of these roles and performances are rather small. Uh, Lydia McKay. Um, I'll start with her. Uh, she's... I had a note, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> Oh god, it's a line note too. <laughs> so Lydia is always such a delight to see in here um, in English dubs. I love her in the pieces. She's so, so adorable. Um, as Yuki Mei, <laughs> Yuki Mei is very sad. Can be sassy. She can be very blunt. She also does not have a filter. <laughs> Yuki Mei does not have a goddamn filter. <laughs> and s- similar to another character later on in the 
dang show named um, Red, Little Red Riding Hood. Um, but Lydia just plays it so, so fun and fantastic, and she's just very blunt and out there. And by the way, Lydia calling Ryoko baby girl is both funny and very creepy. Because <laughs> in, in episode 4 when we're introduced to y Yukime, she refers to Ryoko as baby girl at one point as like a weird sign of like affection slash flirting, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? Um, it was a delight though, and um, Lydia was just so much fun to watch. Uh, Jerry is our puss in boots here. Uh, he's he also is he's very delightful. He reminds me of like this cunning and sly cat, and it works very well. Probably because he was also Kyo, but then again, Kyo is an angry little gremlin half the time. Uh, <laughs> but um, this is more. They're um, both cats. They are both cats. But um, mm -hmm. Kyo's more of an angry boy <laughs> than Nekomiya is. Uh, Nekomiya is just very, very sly, very nonchalant, kind of not aloof. Aloof's not the right word. He's very determined and dedicated, too. Um, just like Ryoshi, you're going to protect her. Do you really want to let Ryoko down? And he's very, very good at motivating. Um, he can get a little bit cocky at times, mostly when training Ryoshi. Um, but it's a very fun, well-balanced character. Um, the only drawback is his, his backstory just magically appears. <laughs> it's like, what? That's more on the show, though. Um, but Jerry is a lot of fun. The MVP of this section, though, is definitely Stephanie Young <laughs> as Momoko. Because, oh, sweet lord. <laughs> she is mature and graceful, but, and very authoritative, but man, is she such a flirt, and she knows it. She has come. I think the show straight out implies that she is bisexual. Oh, 100%, because of her relationship to um, Ryoko. Like, 100%, it implies that the sh that Momoko is bisexual, because she just, like, like, outwardly flirts with Ryoko. Seemingly, you think to mess with her, but dear god, she's probably some sort of disaster bi or some shit. But, um... No, like, Stephanie is such a delight. She knows, she knows what she has, and she knows how to flaunt it. So she has this air of confidence to her, which I absolutely love um, in Momoko's character. She's just like, we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do it right, and if you guys, and if you are good boys, you'll get bouncy time later. <laughs> like, she knows what she, she knows what she has to do. She knows what gets people to help her out like she's not afraid of that she embraces it and it stephanie is just a delight watching as momoko just flaunt her assets basically and know what she's up to but um no all three of these performances are so much fun but yeah stephanie knows stephanie young knows how to fucking sh flaunt and shake what her mama gave her at this point <laughs> so yes <laughs> hardy talk about uh this momo this Momo, yeah, and her peaches. Um, her dumplings, you gotta get right. Dumplings, right, right. No, um, Stephanie Young playing a beautiful big-breasted woman. What a shocker! Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> She's basically got it down to an art form at this point. Mm. And it just... She's been in how many episodes of One Piece as Nico, Robin? I mean... A lot. A lot, yeah. And so... I think it's it's almost kind of stereotypical to find the the gorgeous uh, 
buxom woman and cast them as Stephanie Young. But I mean, I'm not complaining. She knows what she's doing and, and she does it well. So I know a certain friend of mine who is more than happy to uh, to listen um, to her play these kind of performances. Um, but yeah, she's really Dawn, good. you say. <laughs> Calling people out now. Yeah. Here we go. Nah, we love you, Don. Um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, um, I just now realized that that Jerry Jewel plays both a cat character in this and Fruits Basket, and now I can't unsee it. Uh, just imagine Kyosama wearing his hat and his boots and his straps and and fighting with a mostly kick-based style. Fuck! Don't do this to me. I love Kyo. <laughs> Now you need fan art. Yes. Commissioners, commissioners. I need this please. now. Let's combine Nekomiya and fucking Kyo. Let's do this, man. Oh, God. Just have them yeah. outfit swap. Outfit yeah. swap. Yes, perfect. Yeah. No, I th- honestly think that Neko needs to be the ninth companion of Okami-san. Because technically, Ryushi no, was the yeah. eighth. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, yeah. have him around more often. Yeah, Nekomiya like would need- be a fun addition to the whole show if he stayed longer. 100%. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure if he actually goes to the same school, but I think he does. I think it's implied he does. Yeah, I yeah. Think it looks like he has the same uniform as the others. I think, but mm-hmm. yeah, he needs to be the uh, the Otogi Banks Jimbei, finally joining the crew after all these years. Yes, yes, 100. <laughs> percent I agree with this statement. But yeah, no, I like how how Jerry played him as a sort of wimp when Ryoko first saved him, and then how he has this exuberance about him when he's like, "Hey, you know what?" I ran away from her and I abandoned her. I need to make up for that. And now I will be this bolder than life character and I will um, I will teach her so quote unquote boyfriend uh, how to fight and defend himself and defend her. So Yes. Mm-hmm. Do and, the thing uh, that I wasn't able to do. Yes. And and he's good at it. Let's just let's just say that. He got really good in three years. Oh yeah. Let's see here. And I'm going to be perfectly honest. I'm kind of ashamed of this. Mm-hmm. I kind of forgot Yuki Mei was actually a character. <laughs> Yuki Mei doesn't do a ton. She doesn't really. And I have no idea why she's based on the Yuki Ona because she's not really icy. Uh, she's just sort of a... Um, what would I say? I think it's because Yuki Ona's uh, sometimes haunt inns. And she basically runs an inn. Oh, that might be the correction. Uh, the um, connection. That's true. Yeah, that's true. She runs basically yeah. a boarding house. She's not. She's more of an introvert, like a uh, like an insider, not li- willing to leave the house or anything like that. Right. But yeah, I now that I remember, I I think Lydia did an okay job, but I completely spaced out on this character and forgot. So sorry, Lydia. I apologize. I mean, it's fair. You can. It's okay. Yeah, she does not show up a lot. She's predominantly really in, I think, like, episode four, and then in the last episode. For, like, the last episode. Minute. So it's, it, you're, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, but that's all I have to say. Yeah, no, I'll start with uh, Yukime. I think that Lydia does a good job. I like when she calls out um, Otsu for being selfish. Yep. I thought that was a really good performance mm-hmm. and a good line there, because Otsu's doing all the shit. Um Nekomiya is so, such a cutie. Um, I put Jerry's other cat guy, uh, Shin, uh, Shinya, 
Because he's got the sniper rifle. Oh, you're right! <laughs> Fuck. Sniper rifle. Yep. I like Jerry's performance. It, it kind of does, of all things, remind me a little bit of Antonio Banderas in Shrek. You know, like the bravado. Now that you like say the bravado, it. the bravado. Like he's clearly putting on an act, mm-hmm. and I like when Ryuko thanks him. He puts his hat over his eyes like a badass to not show his tears, and he walks away. Oh, and he's just yeah, really cool, right. and he's just really he's just got this level of like, I am so cool. Also, be I love that. I love how he also taunts him. It's like. Well, you know, if you want to get better, you're going to have to dodge. And I've got steel toe boots on, and they're going to hurt after a while. <laughs> to which, how Ryoshi did not come out with cracked ribs. And then, let's talk about the star of the section, Momoko and her Momokos. They're dumplings! Um, get it right, God! Her, her, her dumplings, her peach blossom highway. <laughs> um, Shit. Those huge tracks those- of land. Those huge tracks of land, those boys are going to get the Phantom Five up in them in no time flat. Gonna have that bouncy time, um, right? Bouncy, bouncy, boing, boingy, boingy. <laughs> just the amount of time that that show, like, shows you them jiggling, I just, good lord. And they have They're bouncy, trouncy, bouncy, flouncy. Fun, 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 they fun, fun. Their, yeah. they, only, they have their own sound effect, too, which is hilarious. When, e- when even your boobs have walla. <laughs> If these girls could talk, they would have some stories. <laughs> um, I think that she's a ton of fun. Do I think that she makes Momoko sound a little bit too old to be a high schooler? Yes. Does Momoko look like a high schooler? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And that's probably like, the point. Yeah. She, she, okay, this is going to be a joke for anybody who's actually played the Fire Emblem DLC. She's like the Balthus of Otogi's, Otogi's Academy. <laughs> She is. She's Balthus, a 27-year-old man who's going to school with a bunch of 17 and 18. You're fucking right, and I haven't even finished Ash and Wolves. She's just Balthus. Oh, I haven't even finished Ash and Wolves, and you're right. Oh, no. Stan Stan Balthus, the milk hunter. Um... Oh no. Hardy, you would you would absolutely love Balthus. He's just you, you a dude would. who wants to fight and chase women who are older than him, but not as old as his mom. Oh, okay. It's so funny. Um, he's hysterical. Yeah, so no. Stephanie is having a ton of fun as as Momoko. She's absolutely fantastic. I think she steals the show a couple of times with her. Oh yeah, 100%. Like what, like she is chewing that scenery 100%. Like, I don't know. It's delicious. She's gotta. She's gotta keep her. She's gotta keep the girls well fed. Um, okay. I I absolutely loved it. I think that she's such a blast, and I always kind of looked forward to her being on the screen, despite her being a character like a fan service type character who I wouldn't usually like. That there's the the tongue in cheek aspect to herself. Like, there's there's a lot of times where fan service characters you can clearly tell that like they're uncomfortable with their bodies, and they don't really like being in it. She plays Momoko, and the show plays up Momoko as someone who's like, yeah, I know I am hot. And guys think it's hot that I'm hot. Yep. And I'm gonna whip them and beat the shit out of them. Like, I also like that the little touch to uh, the fact that she's Momotaro is that she goes to, she goes Oni hunting at Onigashima. Yep. So, speaking of Onigashima... And then there's oh boy, these assholes. This, so, to say, and then there's this asshole, is a huge understatement about she, uh, about the next character. Oh, and I do want to give 
I do want to take a moment to be absolutely serious. Uh, this next character, we are going to have to talk about something that is uh, incredibly triggering to some people. Yes. Um, I, I did make an allusion to it uh, earlier on, but... An uh, allusion to it? You flat out said it. I flat out said what it was. Uh, Reiko Kona, uh, Kokono in Shiro Hitsujika. Uh, Reiko is a girl that goes to Onigashima who essentially adapts her personality to be what anybody, any guy she's with wants her to be. And Shiro is the student council president slash leader of Onigashima High. He is also Ryoko's ex. And it is heavily implied, if not outright stated, that Re- that Shiro uh, raped or sexually assaulted uh, Ryoko when they were first years in middle school. And when she, Ryoko tried to tell her classmates, nobody believed her because Shiro was so well-liked and he had planted that she was just being a vindictive ex and framing him. And it caused her to essentially leave the school she was at and transfer over to being at the school where she would meet Ringo. And it still traumatizes Ryoko to the, till like the day in the show. Um, playing uh, Reiko is Leah Clark, and playing Shiro is Ian Sinclair. Uh, Leah Clark is characters such as Miyako Miyazaki in Bamboo Blade, Mayu in Death Parade, and Nora Ardent in Spice and Wolf. Uh, Shiro is based off of one of two things. He is the boy who cried wolf or the wolf in sheep's clothing. A Uh, little bit of both, I would say. He's kind of, yeah, he's a mixture of both. He is the one character besides Reiko who is never given an exact fairy tale. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's implied he's the boy who cried wolf because obviously uh, he essentially makes it so that it looks like Ryoko cried wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also the wolf in sheep's clothing because everybody thinks he's nice. He's also B, he dresses in white, white and part of his last name literally is the Japanese word for sheep. Yeah, makes sense. Hitsuji is out. the word for sheep. Yeah, Hitsuji is the word for sheep. Checks out. Yeah. Uh, he is played by Ian Sinclair, uh, who's played characters such as Dallas Genoward in Bakano, Free Underbar in Farigon, and Toji Otto in Tokyo Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll actually go first in the section. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll start with Leah, who has to go from being the cutesy, like, girly girl voice. And she's like, oh, I was... I was taken... Uh, like, Shiro, I was Shiro's ex. He did all these nasty things to me. And she has to act friendly and kind and warm and, like, the cute, like, the girl who's essentially, like, the voice of the girl who's been mistaken for a delinquent, but she's actually, like, super sweet and super nice. And then she immediately has to turn it into being this girl who is an absolute monster and she wants to torture Ryoko. She's angry, a bitter thug kind of voice. And, And though she's only in a couple episodes... I think that Leah does a good job definitely differentiating in the tone of her voice for both of those characters. I think that she she gets it across really well. But let's talk about the actual kind of, like, unfortunate star of this section, which is Ian Sinclair as Shiro. Um, Ian Sinclair plays a lot of different types of characters. He's been, vil- he's been crazy villains. He's been over-the-top heroes. He's been absolute shitbags. He's been soft-spoken. Um... It's really weird that I feel like this isn't probably one of the most memorable Ian Sinclair performances to no. me. 
But it's very much an Ian Sinclair performance that doesn't overwhelm what everybody else is doing. And I think that works in the context of the show. Because Shiro can't stand out. Shiro isn't supposed to stand out because he's trying to do all this shit undercover and be very sneaky about it. But I think those the two kind of big moments that he has, the one where Ryoko has amnesia and she runs into him and he starts talking about how he sexually assaulted her. And he's like, I took a taste of her. I ripped and got what I wanted. And then as he's leaving, he's like, well, allegedly anyway. And you kind of hear that tone in his voice where he knows he's covering his ass, but like, you know, he did it. And then there's the part where, uh, I hate to make light of it because this is a little bit more of a serious section where Ryoshi punches him and he bleeds and he sees blood on his hand and he kind of loses it at the, this is the first time I've ever been injured type of thing. And unfortunately the only thing that popped in my head is nobody makes me bleed my own blood (laughs) from dodgeball. (laughs) You know, even though this is supposed to be serious, I we're allowed just one. Nobody makes we're allowed one. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. You're allowed one. What, just that whole that whole final scene after that, where you just see the mask kind of come off this character finally, where he's taunting Ryoshi, and then even after Lis kind of stops them, and Leah's just like, "Oh well, I guess I wish I tortured them more," and you can kind of hear she's upset, and then you just see that that evil look in his face as it cuts away and he's like oh yes i i genuinely really do like these performances though especially i think leah gets leah and ian both kind of should get some credit here for having to put on the the mask and then having the mask come off mm-hmm. especially leah because i genuinely felt that when reiko um when she stun guns ryuko ryoko in the apartment hurt a lot yep. Like, that scene was, like, a gut punch. Like, mm-hmm. you, you, she was kind of, and she's like, you always, Shiro always said you were so naive. Yeah. And you're just like, and then, you're like, you kind of have this moment of realization with Ryoko. You're like, oh, no. Yeah. What makes it worse is that these two are, uh, they, you assume that these two are a couple. So they're basically the Joker and Harley Quinn of the show. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. True. That's a, a really apt apt uh, comparison so do you want to go Hardy? I will actually and I'll lead off on that is that I don't know what Reiko's motives are I don't know why she would support this man who is so obviously evil Mm -hmm. but it speaks a lot to her character that that she sticks with him even knowing the full well of the the allegations about him and so it, it really plays a lot to to Leah's performance because she's done other villainous characters such as uh, such as what's her name in um, in uh, Dead Man Wonderland. Uh, what was her What was her name? It was Hummingbird. 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 Yes. Hummingbird. Gave us oh, one of the oh greatest. My God, we were ta- I was one of these days. We should talk about that last night with some people. Yeah, and I was also- talking about that last night with some people. Yeah, and somebody posted another one of her lines, and I'm like. That's not even the best hummingbird line. Let's jerk off, uh, just jerk off into a bottle of formaldehyde and call it your firstborn. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But her and, of course, Himiko Toga. Um, yep. But with Rake, with those, they're more of like the, the unsettled, psychotic types. Um, with Reiko, it's very cold and demeaning and very mm-hmm. intentional. And you can tell when the moment that 
she betrays Ryoko that after all the good things that she did for her, that there's no love in this woman's heart. Mm-hmm. She is just absolutely awful. She's in love with a man who is terrible by all means, and 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 yet she doesn't care. She's okay with it. Yeah. And I think I think Leah plays that amazingly well. Ian Sinclair, boy, howdy. Oh He's, boy, this asshole. This is this is the same actor who was Dandy, who was an asshole for a different reason. Mm-hmm. But just there is no love lost on this guy. He is an, an attempted rapist, and I th- if not an actual one, yes. we it, I, I think it's in, I think that it's in it's in the novels it's. It's stated that he attempted to, but didn't go through with it, and rather he just wanted to really ruin Ryoko's, uh, um, uh, what's the word? He wanted to ruin her life because she wouldn't. Her reputation, it. yeah. Yeah. But uh, like he, he got he got off from it more from doing that than he would have actually if he had actually gone through with it. Like he's that twisted. Um, but you know, he's just he is. Oh, good lord, he's such an awful person. And I'm kind of sad that the show ends right as he goes into beast mode against Ryoshi. Mm. Yep. Because usually in that sort of circumstances where you have the story where the the hero stands up to the bully and he gets in a good one, the bully usually breaks down and and like, how could you hit me? And it sort of has this vulnerable moment. Mm -hmm. Shiro does the exact opposite. He was ready to fucking go. No, he goes, he's like, is about to go Super Saiyan. Yeah, he's ready to fucking kill a bitch. Yeah, and then the story ends. It just ends mid-fight, and and we're we're granted to a little bit of a um, of a possible secret on list part, which I don't really want. Well, I'm going to talk about him later. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, the whole show ends with like I'm gonna I'm not gonna stop until I get my revenge and I'm gonna screw this boy and and sadly we never got the rest of that. But in the meantime, uh, I really like Ian Sinclair as a villain or as a crazy person in general, and I think that he did pull off Shiro really well, even though he is an absolute despicable character. And sometimes you need it was brought up to me. Uh, I'm actually reminded of the Mean Girls commentary. If you want someone who is absolutely despicable, you get the sweetest possible actor to play them. Not wrong. Yeah, no. they were speaking of Rachel McAdams, and um, yeah, that's that's because they're able to. Well, they take direction excellently, and they're able to sort of just shape their personas around mm-hmm. um, yeah because some of the some of the greatest hero characters have been played by some of the scummiest people but some of the best villains have been played by absolutely wonderful people yep. so I think that's in that case Ian Sinclair kind of pulled it off um, I'll, I'll cover uh, Rako first as well um, Leah is a delight I like how you were saying that it was it was um it was less psychotic than her characters like Hummingbird and um, Toga. I agree with that, 
but I would describe it as more of a subtle psychotic. It's a bit more subtle of, mm-hmm. of, a, um, pro- of a character progression um, compared to Toga or Hummingbird. Um, to be, and full, full disclosure, I have not seen the English dub of, De- of Dead Man Wonderland. Um, I need to fix this, but I've heard it's glorious. Um, but yeah, I think it's that subtlety in the performance and in the voice that just makes it very convincing uh, with Leah because she does have the sweet, innocent side, obviously, when she's pretending to be good. Um, And the audience knows right out the gate that it's an act. But she has to leave. We we see her in an earlier episode where we know that she's evil. Yeah. (laughs) We know that... The audience knows out the gate that this is an act. But so the mission that Leah has with Reiko is convincing the other characters, which I think she does very, very well. Because as the outsiders looking into the situation, sure, we can yell at the screen all day and be like, hey, she's bad. She evil. But so long as the other characters in the show believe that Reiko is actually innocent and sweet and everything like that. That's the whole point. And Leah does it very, very well. And yeah, I, I agree when she fucking tases Ryoko, it's a gut punch. <laughs> it's a huge gut punch and it hurts. It hurts so much. But um, Reiko doesn't have a ton, a ton to do. She's just a secondary antagonist, if anything. And then there's this asshole. Um, <laughs> God. I, I don't have a crap ton more to add to what the two of you have already said about Shiro and Ian's portrayal of him. I am going to say this. It's funny that this dub came out around 2012 or so. If I remember correctly, do you want to know another dub that kind of came out around this time? Is it Shiki? It was Shiki. And he, <laughs> and he was... T- I was like, yep. of course And he, I think... I think it came out... Yeah, I think it was around late 2012, I believe, it came out on, on video. So it was dubbed around the same time. And um, Ian plays Tatsumi, who is also a piece of shit scumbag character. So the tone of the tone of voice is similar between Tatsumi and Shiro. Like, it's very similar. But what Shiro has that Tatsumi doesn't is sure, like, pure... Not even, not really aggression, but like malice. Malice. Yep. Like he has so much malice. Like Tatsumi's motivations are to make sure that his kind are are fine. Like fuck the humans. His kind are going to live. This is where we live now. So he has his own intentions that are good by his motivations. But Shiro is very malicious. He's he even stated in the show himself. And to Ryoko, he, he just wants to see her suffer. He outright says it to her in the show. Um, and you can feel that 100% from Ian. Like, every point of it, it's very calculating, very calm, very malicious. Just this this snake just trying to circle around its prey and just get it in its coils. Like, it's... Ugh. It's so... It can be so creepy and scary sometimes. And I honestly... The character is a piece of shit. But Ian is portrayed him very, very well. It was so convincing. And then 
going back to the end where Ryoshi punches him in the face and he sees his own blood um, that Ian really got scary like he was he was ready to fucking choke a bitch <laughs> and it was so convincing because throughout the course of the show Shiro is this very calm very calculated with like underlying like evil intent like wanting to see this one person suffer because it's so much fun to him and then you just see him like kind of start breaking I'm not gonna say he fully breaks because he doesn't he just starts to break a little bit it's like a little crack that happens in here and he's like what did you do <laughs> and that whole sequence and that whole perf part of the performance that Ian has to give is so convincing because you start actually getting a little terrified I know I got a little terrified uh, of Shiro a lot more. So, Shiro as a character is an absolute garbage human being. However, Ian Sinclair playing Shiro, this garbage human being, is just absolutely enthralling, and you cannot take your eyes off him. Again, my biggest compliment when it comes to villain roles is if you want me to punch you into the sun, you have done good, and I want to punch Shiro into the fucking sun. I hate this character. He is terrifying and malicious. So, Ian Zeclair, you have done good, sir. All right, so let's move on to, uh, now that we've kind of gone through the city, let's get to the members of the Otogi Bank itself, starting with Majolica Lefei and Otsu Suragaya. Majolica is a weird girl who is essentially their tech department. She's such a goober, I love her. She's such a fucking weirdo who, like, at one point, it's like, are we going to put lizards in their clothes? I, I love uh, Majolica. Lizards in their shoes. I love Majolica. She's, she's essentially, like, their weird techie person. She also builds all their weapons and their tech. Uh, Otsu is the, the token maid. She is a girl who repays favors after a, an oddly dark backstory. Yeah. <laughs> like... Like, her backstory is uh, a boy in her neighborhood she called Big Brother... Uh, got hit by a truck for her and died and she could never repay the favor so now she's obsessed with repaying favors uh playing Majolica Lafay is Lindsay Seidel and playing Otsu uh Sudragaya is Colleen Quickenbeard Lindsay Seidel you'll know as characters such as Hazuki Shimada and Baka and Test uh Yayoi Kuzuni uh Kuzi Kunizuka in the Psychopath franchise and Meme uh, Tatane in Salute or Not, Colleen Klickenbeard, you'll know his characters such as Momo ya Yayorozu in My Hero Academia, Ashramaru in Seraph of the End, and Urza Scarlet in Fairy Tale. Uh, just to briefly go over their fairy tales, uh, Majolica can be the fairy godmother from Cinderella, or she is Morgan Le Fay from King Arthur. Uh, Morgan Le Fay being a witch that is Arthur's half sister. Uh, who eventually ends up tricking him into, uh, you know, the good old uh, English, the good old English uh, biscuit bump. Incest. And they have, yeah, you know, just, yeah, yeah, they're European. <laughs> As the show says, they're European. Uh, Otsu is the, uh, based on the Suru no Onigashi, or the Crane Returns a Favor. Mm, okay. And to briefly go over that, the Crane Returns a Favor is the story of a man who saves a crane that has been shot down by hunters. Uh, that same night, a beautiful girl appears at his door and says that, he, hey, now you're married. Uh, this season, Tony Kawa is now streaming on Crunchyroll. Um, essentially, 
uh, she says that she brings a bag of rice that will fill their stomachs every day, uh, but they are not rich. She says that she's going into a room to make something and that he is not to come in until she finished. She finishes. Seven days later, uh, she comes out with a beautiful piece of clothing, but very skinny. He sells it in the market uh, to give them the money that they need. She uh, says, I'm going to do it again. She goes in, but out of his curiosity, he goes in and sees, and it is the crane that he saved. Uh, when she sees when she sees it, she says that she cannot stay and flies away and never comes back. Okay. Yeah, so a crane of many favors. Uh, Spaceman Hardy. Yes. You're there. Okay. Please talk about, uh, please talk about our Toki Banks' favorite lesbians. <laughs> Fuck. They're dating. You can't convince me otherwise. I will say this, and I will back it 100%. Majolica is the single hottest character in the entire freaking show. I mean... Is it the swirly glasses? It's... No, it's just when you see her... When she's not in her like witch outfit, I mean, she, I'm I'm one I'm I'm gonna assume when you saw her in the swimsuit, yes, <laughs> that's the one of the rarest times where she's not in the witch's outfit and the maid outfit. Ooh, true. Yeah. She did do the yeah. maid outfit too. No, there's, no, she's got the she's actually very very attractive with the blonde hair and the and the pretty eyes and little kitty mouth. Um, yeah. She doesn't speak all that much, and when she does, she speaks in sort of this weird, prepare-to-be-amazed voice. Um, so cute. Yeah. No, she's absolutely adorable, and uh, I this I f- completely forgot this was Lindsay Seidel voicing mm. her when I, when I watched it the second time. Um, but yeah, I just... Majolica is like one of my legit favorite characters from the show, even though she doesn't get to do much. Um, and she's a surprisingly strong fighter, considering she took out an entire group, entire warehouse full of thugs with her gas canisters. That was so, so good. Yeah. With fart gas. Fart gas. That's exactly what it was, was fart gas. To which yeah. now I have questions. Majolica, where did you get the fart gas from? She made it. From what? From her butt. She had a whole, she has a fucking lap. No, but I'm specifically yes, wondering how ass. she got that she together. Can, she can her own fart stuff. <laughs> lots, lots, and lots of Taco Bell. <laughs> Yo quiero Taco Hell. <laughs> Yo quiero Taco Bell. <laughs> Supreme. I got some tacos and some antacos. One chalupa, two chalupa, three chalupa, four. I'm going to shit all over the I floor. I 100% apologize for that horrible, horrible accent. <laughs> yes, Yo quiero Taco chalupa, Bell. <laughs> One chalupa, two chalupa, three chalupa, four. Let's watch Majolica shit all over the floor. Oh, God. <laughs> Alternatively, one tequila, two tequila, three tequila, floor. Okay. Yep. Oh, God damn it. That's someone's fetish. Oh, God. But no. Please, no. But no. No, I love Majolica. I wish she had gotten her own episode like, uh, like Otohime and Otsu did. Yeah. So, I'm a little sad on that one. Yeah. I, in fact, I, I would like to see a second season of this, even though I know it's never going to happen, mm-hmm. mainly so that we can get the square off between Ryushi and Shiro, and also uh, to explore some of the background characters a bit. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I I think Lindsay did fine as Majolica. Otsu is a Colin Klingenbeard performance. Okay. That's... 
pretty much it. She's played these characters before. She continues to play these kinds of characters, and she's really good at it. And uh, Otsu's just kind of boring as a character outside of her backstory. So, because because someone literally died trying to rescue her, and but other than that, she's just kind of there. She's and at the same time, they kind of use her as the sort of fan service bait in order to dress her up in, in s- silly outfits, which both the thugs do and Majolica herself tries to do. So Fucking Majolica. Yeah. And a maid can't be a nurse! Or what was it supposed to be? But yeah, it's just, she's just kind of there for the most part. Uh, she really is. Yeah, and she hits the occasional thug upside the head with a broom, so I guess... That counts. Yeah, she's cute. That's. A bit. I'm gonna piggyback off of Hardy and go with Otsu first. Um, yeah, it's Colleen as a Colleen character. Otsu is a very Otsu. Out of all the characters, is probably a precious cinnamon cinnamon roll too good and pure for this earth. That's basically Otsu in a nutshell. Um, she she's very soft spoken, very polite, very courteous, and she just is there as the token maid character really um but surprisingly Otsu's backstory is weirdly dark like I didn't like I completely forgot about her weird backstory about it was this okay so Otsu's backstory real quick when she was younger she almost got her ass hit by a car but this young boy quote that everyone calls their brother. I, I don't know if there's actual relation to it. I don't think they ever really confirmed it. No, it's just a guy in t- it's just a kid that lived with her that lived nearby. Right. He gets run over and he ends up dying and she was upset because she never got to repay him for what he did. So ever since then, if someone were to try and save her, she basically would dedicate her time to repay that favor back to which it was thrown in there. That was, again, surprisingly dark. <laughs> of a backstory out of nowhere basically for this character and so it's like uh what japan um but i think colleen also handles that part very very well um with otsu's story but otherwise not otsu's kind of there (laughs) but i will admit the the whole um what was that episode three or four Oh, four. It was four. four. Yep. I'm seeing my notes because um lydia's character came up during and was introduced in the same episode um <laughs> the bits were Otsu is just there, just like welcome home. Here, here you go. We're gonna. I, I have all things clean. I made dinner and all that stuff. And then basically, poor Ryoshi, <laughs> just like, oh my god, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and him not getting sleep was probably the, one of the funnier gags in that up in the series for that episode specifically. But no, Otsu is precious, and Colleen was wonderful and precious. Otsu just also is kind of there as a character. She doesn't really serve a shit ton of purpose. Um, but I kind of wish she had... I guess she... I wish I, she had a bit more purpose. But I really do wish Majolica had a fuck ton more purpose. Because she also is there. And she just has these weird gadgets and things and just part of the shenanigans. Lindsay's role as, Mado- as Majolica is... 100% pure comic relief, I would think. Out of everyone in the club, this is where your comedic, mostly your comedic relief will come from. Um, and it's 
<laughs> it suits her well. So like she's some she's a precious little she's one of the precious little gremlin children, and just is bum like because while most of the other characters their humor can be snarky and sassy, she's just bombastic and energetic, and like that's why I say a lot of comedic relief does come from her, but it's more of the bombastic energetic kind. Is like, oh, I have this, I have this thing for you, and then this thing for you, and then boom! <laughs> like, she's just so. That pure. was actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was like, I have this for you, and here you go, gas cancers away. <laughs> like, I shit, I shit on the floor. <laughs> I... Steph, do it. Hold on. Yeah. Okay, I gotta do is try to spell nothing. I had so much Taco Bell and shit on the floor. <laughs> that sounded more like Webby. Fuck, I fucked it up. <laughs> I'm trying. That's a. Well, okay. To be fair, if Webby the duck from Ducktales ate Taco Bell, ducks have no sphincter, <laughs> so she would just shit on the floor. <laughs> I have watched the awful, awful video called "Scientifically Accurate Ducktales." <laughs> Oh uh, no, but um, no, M- Lindsay. Like, if you didn't know any better, she's almost near unrecognizable in this because while Lindsay's tone and her vocal range can be very distinct, we also know her for things like um, Nejire in My Hero as Nagisa in Assassination Classroom. I I was like I up until Nejire, I was like. Lindsay Seidel plays a lot of little boys. No, but sometimes you forget that she's she has female roles, and Majolica is a very good example of this. And I'm, I'm assuming this is this is very much predating before she was gone for a while, um, and then she came back. But she um, was Kino too. She was Kino in the in the recent um, Kino Kino's Journey reboot. Um, Man, imagine if Majolica was Kino. Oh God. Fuck. But no. Majolica would make would make Hermes. No, 100% she would. Fuck. No, but yeah, Lindsay has just so much energy and just a gremlin. And I, oh, you can't help but fall in love with it. And I'm so sad. Because with her and then I think the two cousins we're going to get to a little later, you don't have a ton of backstory with those characters. And it's a damn shame. Because I would love to know Majolica's deal. 100%. There's a line that's said to one of those cousins that I need to bring up at one point because it's the most savage thing that oh, happens. lovely. But no, I really do love Lindsay as Majolica. It's just sad that Majolica doesn't have a ton to do outside of being the <laughs> the tech person that creates whacked out inventions like a fucking pumpkin carriage with bicycles. With no brakes. With no brakes. This carriage has no brakes. <laughs> the, the the feels carriage has no brakes. <laughs> Instead of a feels train. Um, but no, yeah, both of these performances are fun. It's just they also kind of get relegated to the back, despite Otsu having a bit more of a story to her, I think. But yeah, both performances are nice. I'll start with Majolica, because I think you guys already, already nailed it. Like, Lindsay's really cute and really charming, and... I can see a couple of people like who aren't used to dubs getting really annoyed by her voice because it does sound a little cartoony, mm-hmm. like compared to a lot of other characters in the show. Um, it is purposely over the top, yep. like uh, the narrator. And if you didn't like the narrator voice, you probably aren't going to like Lindsay's take on Majolica. I think it's cutesy. 
I think it's charming. Uh, but again, unfortunately, Lindsay doesn't get to sink her teeth into a ton because Majolica doesn't do a lot. And Otsu is, I think, the safest performance of the show. Yeah, that's one way to describe it. Colleen as Otsu is exactly what you would expect it to be. It's a solid Colleen performance. It's not anything special. Um, I, I, I find really weird putting characters like Momo and Ashura Maru into there because I think those are two of probably personally my favorite work that Colleen has done playing both genders. Like, yeah, like it's a bit more like, dynamic. Okay, like look look me in the fucking eyes and tell me that you all believe that Ashura Maru was Colleen the first time you heard it. Oh no, 100% no. Um, so I, I like Otsu's, uh, Otsu's performance with Colleen. Unfortunately, she is, like Hardy said, relegated to a lot of really shitty fan service jokes. Yeah. A lot of the time. Uh, like the, the, the delivery of, I can't wear a nurse's outfit! Is yes. really funny. Yes. Like, Colleen nailed that, like, one moment of the character. So, but... That's all I've got to say. So let's move on to our next section. Uh, next up, we have the fan service part of the the Otoki Bank. If we'd said Otsu was fan service, oh sweet lord! <laughs> there is Taro Hiroshima, who is a smart, pretty playboy who got held back a year because he was on a quote unquote quest for wisdom. Uh, Otome Ryugu who was off for a year on a quest for Taro. Yep. And Mimi Usumi, Usami. She is a small Lolita girl who has a fan club at the school. She may have the looks of a of a uh, of a uh, cute little girl, but she's got the heart of a demon. Yeah. Just a bit. She's kind of a dick. Or as Hardy said, a rat-faced little bitch. Uh-huh. <laughs> you could quote me on that. Not wrong. <laughs> It makes me think of John Oliver's rat face bastard quotes. Nice. Where everyone says John Oliver looks like a rat face bastard. It's and, and to quote his uh his fake uh his uh fake uh money church. It's more of a very elegant weasel. Jesus. Uh, please watch that segment of last week tonight. It's my favorite. This um, coming from obviously this coming from the man who collects uh vintage rat porn. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's yes. be real. If you've never actually seen uh, this, uh, John Oliver created a fake church at one point. Oh my god. Uh, that yes. was completely legal. Yeah, and he told people to start sending their seed, which is money. Because they were talking about like this whole thing about like how churches, uh, certain churches prey on uh, the elderly and stuff to get their money for oh, hoaxes. Yeah. So they ended up stopping it, not because people would send them money, uh, not because people sent them actual bird seed, uh, not because somebody sent them a giant wooden dick. <laughs> that that they did. They sent somebody sent them a four foot wooden dick. Oh my god! But because multiple people had actually sent them what they thought was thought was or actually was semen. That's why they stopped it. People sent him jizz. Now, we don't have the time to process all of that. We We don't don't even have a place to start unpacking that shit. John Mulaney just walked across the screen. (laughs) John Mulaney was like, we don't have time to unpack that. That's got. So, let's unpack the people playing these characters. Okay. 
Taro is played by Todd Habercorn. Otohime is played by Caitlin Glass. And Mimi is played by Jade Saxton. Uh, Todd Habercorn, you'll know as characters such as Yuichiru Taijima from The Big Windup, Ling Yao in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and Kimihiro Watsunuki in Triple X Holic. Caitlin Glass, you'll know as characters such as Saya uh, Minasuki in Black Cat, which, by the way, I do remember every word of her song in English. Uh, Kazuho in Nabari no O in Akira Dojima in Kono Ototomure. Jade Saxon, you'll know as characters such as Perrin H. Klosterman in Strike, which is Yuki and the Wolf Children, and fittingly enough, the lethal hamster in Africa Salary Man. <laughs> I saw that under her I saw that under her roles and had to take my shot. Oh, I need to go uh, back just to, to briefly go over briefly go over their myths. Uh, Mimi is based off of the hair in the tortoise and the hare. Uh, to go over her and Otohime's um, rivalry, because when Otohime was a little girl, she was fat. Yep. And she was a cute little fat girl. She's a but they called her fat the girl. But they called her the they called her turtle yep. to make fun of her. And Mimi was a little cunt. Um, <laughs> wow. I'm that's... sorry to use strong language, but Mimi can rot in hell for making fun of her. Oh man. As a fat girl myself. Oof. Her her. Her making fun of Otohime and playing cute and pawning off all of her work on little Otohime and leaving her alone so she could go to the arcade. And then she gives that little demon smile. Listen, I don't advocate violence towards children, but in that moment, I was going to yeet Mimi into the sun. Oh, I mean, yes. Mimi was going to get an ass whooping of big ass proportions. Gotta but to go over both- spoon, right? And smack her ass. Smack, smack. <laughs> uh, to go over Arashima and Otohime, they actually come from the same myth, which is, of all things, called Arashima Taro. Arashima Taro is a Japanese fairy tale about a fisherman named Arashima Taro who saves a turtle from being tortured by a group of small children. Fitting. Mm, okay. uh, essentially, once that goes back, a uh, a turtle comes to him and says that the, uh, the sea emperor's daughter wants to see him. Uh... They bring him back to the Palace of the Dragons. Um, he meets the turtle who is now the lovely Princess Otohime. He stays with Otohime for three days, but soon wants to go back to his village and see his parents. The princess says that she is sorry to see him go, but gives him a mysterious box called the Tamate Bako, which will protect him from harm, but he must never open it. Ooh. Taro grabs the box and goes back to shore. When he goes back, everything has changed. Everyone he knows is gone, his home and everybody. Uh, he asks people what happened, and he finds out that 300 days has, pa- 300 years have passed since he went down there. Uh, in grief, he opens the box, and from it bursts white smoke. He suddenly ages into an old man, and he hears the voice of the princess saying, "I told you not to open the box, and it was your old age." Oh. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So. Uh, we're gonna do this a little differently. I'm gonna start off talking about Taro first, okay. and we'll just kind of talk about Taro in a group. Okay. Um, Todd's performance is very chill and very quiet, mm. which is a lot saying, because Todd's known for being able to ham it up a lot. But Taro is a character that d- is a little bit hammy, but he's not, like, over-the-top hammy. He's kind of supposed to be that cool, suave man service type of guy. Like, he's there for all the girls and the beachy boys. He is. But he's a, he's, but he's a perv. He's, and he keeps on hitting on girls, and Otohime gets mad, and as the narrator says, I don't need to narrate what's going on there. No, 100%, like, 
Taro is very, very chill and very just like out there. He's that he's, smooth, cool guy. He's the smooth. He's the smooth operator, or so we are led to believe. And, and then. I, I really like how uh, there's a point later on in the series where Onigashima tries to separate them all. Yes. And with Otohime, it's like the guys are going to be creepy. But for her, for him, they bring in a bunch of girls in bikinis. Mm-hmm. And they're all like, Taro! And he's just like, <laughs> And Otohime's sad. At, and it makes Otohime sad. And then in the end, he's like, but you're the only girl I want to see in a bikini. And you're just like, aww! He does care, but God, girl, raise your standards. <laughs> um, but I do like when they're little kids and she's fat mm. and he's the only person who actually like is nice to her. That and that's why she falls in love with him and they're kind of in love with each other and I think they're super cute. Yeah. Uh, so I think that as a performance, he does a really good job kind of conveying that. Um, he does. He's kind of like, I think, the same issues that like Majolica and Otsu have where it's like, yeah, they kind of get their episode, but that episode's more or less dedicated to Otohime more than it is for him. Yeah. So, there's that. No, yeah, uh, yeah, like, Todd is just very chill, very relaxed, and he, he basically is, he's, he's the token pretty boy in this show. 100% Taro is the pr- token pretty boy in the show, and how Todd portrays him, I... I did actually enjoy just very this calm this very suave character but then also just when it comes to Otohime he he gets scared <laughs> like he knows what he's done fucked up <laughs> and Otohime just drags him away <laughs> like yeah it's very chill very calm and then <laughs> there's this mode that the narrator deems his gentlemanly mode <laughs> mm-hmm. and Todd just straight up is like very just like very casual and very prim proper is like ah yes we can go we can let's 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 go on this turtle raft my princess Otohime and she's just all like giddy and happy and it's like oh you know what's happening there (laughs) you know why that's a thing (laughs) but um no I think I I did enjoy Todd's performance but again a lot of these characters kind of get relegated um, once it's a one and done story, but and this one specifically being Otohime is in particular, you know. But let me just ask one question. Okay. If what Otohime is putting out is so good, then why is he running from it? Exactly. What a pussy. Is, is, is it too good? Oh man. I'm like, like he gets genuinely concerned. I I, I think that he is fully dedicated to his girlfriend and I appreciate that. No, 100%. But, he shows but, it. But he needs he needs to show some restraint and but but I don't think he would ever actually cheat on her. I think he's mm-hmm. just got this natural suave to him that just sort of brings the girls to him. It just but, seems like I can look but I won't touch kind of deal. Right, exactly. And and you know, I I kind of, I think Todd plays him really well. Mm-hmm. I I do have, I like Taro, and yet I dislike him because I think he's sort of this big brother figure to Ryoshi. Yeah. Uh, which I which I do appreciate. He's sort of, and, and the man can fight. Mm-hmm. Dude's got a fight. nice uppercut. He's he's not just Straight a pretty up. boy. He's not just a oh, boy no. with a pretty face. No, no, I know uh, he can back it up. No, oh, I, yeah. I there are things I really like about Taro as a character because he did see through 
all of Ito- Otomi Otohime's, you know, baby fat and saw her as a pretty girl and appreciated her for who she was. And and he stayed faithful to her despite all these other girls coming at him. At the same time, he does need to back off a bit. Um, but regardless of that, um, I think Todd plays him really well. I think he's played these kind of characters before. Uh, not as often as the spastic, you know, comedic relief characters that he does. But, uh, but yeah, no. My issues with the character aside, I think the performance was really well done. All right, cool. So let's move on to Otu- uh, Otuhime. I'll go first ahead. I really like how Caitlyn plays her. And the one thing I really want to appreciate is that when Caitlyn plays baby fat Otuhime, she doesn't give her the fat girl voice. Yes. Like, I appreciate like, that too. God, I hate oh, when so anime much. do that. Like, I hate it so much. It's the fucking worst. Yeah, we all, we we have so many complaints, especially the girls, because all the girls are on on, on the bigger the, like, size, curvier side. I'm yeah. I'm I am side. like the most turtle of the girls. Yeah. Well, okay, now all the girls. Zenith is pretty skinny. Look, Zenith look. is very skinny. Yeah, Zenith. Look she here. is very skinny. Look here, all of us ladies are gorgeous. All right. We are all very pretty, but I look like a turtle. Um. Fuck you, you're pretty. All right. I never said I was an evil. I was had like a turtle. Which also, I'd like to point out. I, I really appreciate that when like <laughs> when Ozuhime gets her fucking uh, JoJo stand. <laughs> it's an actual sea turtle when it hisses like an actual sea turtle. Yes. She's also 100%. the one who delivers the line of. You know, they say a girl's jealous. Caitlin's delivery of the "you know a girl." They say a girl's jealousy is deeper, is blacker than the ocean's abyss. You can scream now. It's like one yes. of the best deliveries in this show. It's amazing. It's like because it's it's because uh, Taro's gone into gentleman mode, taking out all the guys, and then she's gonna take out all the girls that touched her man. Yep. This girl's about to. That girl's about to clip that harem. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. scorned. No, and I really like, I really, really like uh, her episode where she kind of learns her lesson mm-hmm. about uh, overcoming her past. Where it was like, she didn't need to win the contest to stop being called Turtle and to become her own person. She right. needed it to learn that at the end of the day, even though there are like hundreds of other girls out there, Taro's always going to find her the most beautiful of all. Right. And, it is, and I think Caitlyn's performance is genuinely very sweet in that moment, especially against the actor who plays List. Um, mm-hmm. I And again, it's another thing that was like, I wish Otohime showed up more because I think she's incredibly entertaining performance from Caitlyn because she is a little Yandere, but she doesn't have that like overt psychopath voice. I think all of us are very used to right now Caitlyn playing uh, Haumea in Fire Force, mm. who is... Oh, Haumea. Oh, boy. She crazy. Haumea, Haumea, like, she's cray-cray. She, her, her and Inka need to go away. Cray-cray does not even begin to describe Haumea. Okay, no, Haumea. It's an understatement. Haumea, it's an understatement. Okay, would we say that Haumea makes Toga look well-adjusted? Mm-hmm. <sighs> You're not oh, you, wrong, you but just... you shouldn't say it. She's right. She shouldn't say. Marge Simpson has entered the chat. Um, <laughs> she shouldn't say it, but it's true. Um, I I really like Caitlyn's performance in this because it's not something I think I'm genuinely used to seeing. Karen Caitlyn play as a character. Mm-hmm. 
And I really like it that she's got, like, kind of, like, sexy, cutesy voice. Mm-hmm. But she's, like, also, like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna go off and do my thing. And Taro, don't look at that girl or I'm gonna gouge her eyes out. Yep. So, no, I, I, I genuinely really liked it. It's it's kind of, like, one of those performances that's, like, in the back that, like, God, I wish there was more of it, so. No, 100%. Like, I, I love and appreciate Caitlin's performance. Again, just to bounce, just to bring this up again, thank you for not turning turtle otohime into a whale thank you i appreciate this we all appreciate this curvier curvier women who have a little bit more to them don't sound like fucking whales so thank you very much for that um and most of what you've said i am gonna 100 agree on megan like <laughs> otohime just knows who she is, what she wants. She has this, exudes this confidence about her and Caitlyn just portrays that wonderfully. But the funniest thing, I, I need to bring this up 100% and I got this very early on, especially in the episode where she goes against Mimi. Some of the pers- some of the traits and little quirks that Otohime has remind me of Renge from Oran High School Host Club. Kind of the little, like, hand to side, like, oh, ho, 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 ho. oh, really? Is that what you think? Like, that kind of shit. You know what I mean? It reminds me kind of of that character trope a little bit, but not like... So the, so the Oju-sama. A little yes. bit. A little bit of the Oju-sama. I can 100% see it. Like, and I appreciate it so much, because, like, it gives Otohime, like, Otohime such a, like, a bit of, like, an air of confidence to her. A confidence and badassery and I just love it especially as a character who grew up from this little fat kid into like a beautiful beautiful young woman and who has the man of her dreams it's it's just so much fun to watch that and her dynamic with Taro is also so much fun I feel um but no like I can't add too much more to what was said about Caitlyn honestly but yeah it was a lot of fun I just also wish she had a little bit more than just that one-off thing that she did though Hardy? Uh, what was I going to say? Um, Is she turtly enough for the turtle club? Oh, God. <laughs> Am I turtly enough for the turtle club? Turtle, turtle. 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 <laughs> no, I just, I think that she was, she's really sweet unless someone's going after her man and then she becomes feral. <laughs> yep. She's like me hearing that they're dubbing case files. <laughs> I have to. I have to question, what is she putting out? Because Taro is genuinely afraid. <laughs> is it that great or is it that terrifying? Um, is yes. It, is it is it that she has a mouth like a, a like an actual sea turtle? I'm not even gonna go there. <laughs> oh shit! But, or is so, it or is it vagina dentata? The no. Answer, the no. Answer is yes. No. The answer is yes. Hardy's like, regardless. Hard stuff reactions. No. Ha ha ha. Hardy's like, get, get that evil out of this house, Ricky Bobby. You don't speak of that. No. <laughs> not now. Not ever. And that's gonna be our. That's gonna be our clip for the for the best of it's series. It's gonna either be Done. that or, or that or the, the part about Majolica shitting on the floor. Yep. <laughs> One of the two. No. We still got no. like three other groups to go through. You don't know what's gonna happen. Oh lord, <laughs> true facts. We gotta go. No. It's got yeah, we gotta go. speed through this. 
We gotta speed through this, which unfortunately we're talking about the turtles, so that's gonna take a while, but Oopsie. yeah. No, I think that um I think Caitlin did great as o Otohime and uh Especially in her crazy moments when she sees her man getting robbed. And she's like, Taro, come here. And he's like, oh, shit. Time to go. Oh, God. Like, tell my, love, tell my family I love them. Yep. Tell my mom I love her. Yeah. I gotta go. No. Oh, my God. No, what I, I, just, I just really appreciate that. Um, and, and it's really sweet at the end. No. You know what? I'll save this part for next. Go ahead. Let's go on to the next character. Man, Jade Saxton has made a name playing little Sundares. Mm -hmm. But this lethal little rabbit, this little hoe, is such a... She steals the scene mm -hmm. whenever she's in there, where she's being, like, the cutesy, the cutesy little, like, everyone's being me. To me. Oh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> oh, That's Jesus, actually that very was... accurate. That is accurate. I'm a little terrified of you now. Shit. <laughs> Everyone's and then like where she's like, oh Taro, it's so good to see you again. And then she's like, got her like demon JoJo aura. Like, I which really, is a rabbit. It, it, it's a killer rabbit. So, so that's what happened. Oh my god, it's the anime killer rabbit from Monty Python. Yeah, it's a killer rabbit from Monty Python. Now I need, uh, now I need Jade Saxon's going, uh, muda, 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 muda. Muda, 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 Do we need, do we need to kill, do we need to kill Mimi with the holy hand grenade from Antioch? Yes. Oh, we might need to, yes. No, 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 no. Jay needs to go do the Munamuras, but then, like, you, you line it up with a clip of the killer rabbit. <laughs> Just much. killing everybody. Pretty much. Like, every dude needed their way out of that, and I love when at the end of the contest where she fucking loses it that she lost, and everyone's, yes. and then everyone's, like, finally sees her for what she is, a two-faced little bitch. Yep. But I also really like when in the last couple episodes where she gets duped by Onigashima and realizes what she's done. Yes. And you see her try to play it off like, well, I didn't want my reputation to be ruined. And, like, you can tell that it's it's genuinely a girl who's, like, realized that I done fucked up. Mm -hmm. Like, she she does get Alice out of out of that situation by uh, sugar bombing people. And I guess she's the lethal rabbit. And I really liked it. And Jade's made her name kind of doing these types of characters. Um, like, if someone's a Sundere, like... Ring, ring, hello, Miss Saxton. <laughs> not wrong. Like, it's it's weird when she's not the Sundere is more of a thing. And, like, I, I genuinely really like her in this. and But I do like that, like, other shows have cast her in other types, so. But, again, it's another performance that, hey, I kind of wish there was a little bit more of, but what I got, I really dug. Yeah, 100%, like, Jade is very spunky and is such a troublemaker. And she can be such a vindictive bitch. And I just, I, I really love every second that Mimi just, like, tries to pull some shit. Because this is another character that I probably want to punt into the fucking sun. Maybe not as much as I would want to punt Shiro into the sun. But it can get there sometimes. Which is great. Maybe maybe just stratosphere? Yeah, at least a stratosphere. Mimi, right? Mimi, can go to, Mimi gets to go to baby jail. Yes, she goes to baby jail. Because... She pl she plays on the plays 
so much on the cutesy, innocent act so well. And the whole major thing with Mimi as a character, especially um, present-day Mimi compared to, well, Mimi a little bit when she was younger, too. Like, this is Jade having to act as if she's sweet and innocent, but she also knows she's being sweet and innocent just to get her way. So there's a little bit, so, so there are twinges in the performance when she pulls that act where you can tell that it's an act. And I really appreciate that it went the, a little bit of an extra mile for Jade to make sure we all know as an audience this is just a fucking act. Like, it's little subtleties like that that I really enjoyed pretty much with The Devil for All. But um, yeah, Mimi is a bitch. <laughs> Mimi can go fuck herself. But um, Jade, I really liked her performance as Mimi. No, this was this show came out during the period where I still wasn't 100% sold at, for Jade Saxon as an actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her earlier performances, I, I, I think it was more of a mental thing. She always sounded very shrill to me. Mm, like gotcha. I think I was I think I was introduced to her first in her performance as Eve from Bacano. Gotcha. And and the and back then the voice never really settled with me, uh, but I think my initial opinion from back from 2012 was sort of the same way when I first watched the show. Going back and listening to it now, I don't have the same issues with it. I think she's great. Um, but yeah, I am the one who is quoted as saying that Mimi is a rat-faced bitch. Um, Mm -hmm. She is a rotten, rotten character until the last two episodes. Last three episodes, rather. Um, And the fact that she tried to set the bank up not to cause direct harm to the members, but rather just to see them trash the place. And then when she found out that they were, in fact, trying to harm people... She had this face turn, and um, she hasn't quite redeemed herself just yet. Making amends to, with a Tohime at the in episode eleven is yeah. a step step towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's it's progression as a character, but she still hasn't earned my trust yet because she. Regardless of that, she picked on a Tohime when she was a baby and she was fat. And now she hasn't... A Tohime grew into a beautiful tree and and Mimi is a shrub, basically. Mimi's a bunch of weeds. She's a bunch of weeds, but some She's guy likes... She's a dandelion, the worst kind of weed. No, I like Jade a lot uh, on a second viewing, and uh, I think she did great, even though I really don't like this character. <laughs> Don't make fun of fat kids. Don't make fun of fat kids. Coming from three fat kids, don't make fun of fat kids. Don't make fun of fat kids, you I bastards. will sit on you and break you. Oh, yes. <laughs> I will kick you in like, the In the words of Zangief, I crush your head between my leg like watermelon. <laughs> yes. Like sparrow egg. Yes. Zangief. I, I Zang- remember, you. just because Zangief is bad guy, does that mean he is bad guy? I will mm. break you. Like moose and squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Rocky Bullwinkle, let's go. Moving on from uh, moose and squirrel to ant and grasshopper. 
Oh, Jesus. Uh, Alice Kierke and List Kierke. They are a pair of cousins that essentially run the Otogi Bank, List being the president and Alice being the secretary. Alice is kind of the more uptight, uh, smart, keeps things running, while List is the more playful master of disguise. And <laughs> this is the true master of disguise. disguise. Forget, forget about getting into the Turtle Club. Who can get into the Grasshopper Club? Uh, um, the List is so good at... List is canonically so good at disguising that he won a school beauty contest. Yep. Um, Isn't this also how he convinces the principal to give them fancy stuff for their bank? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yep. He's a he's a smart one. That list. Uh, yep. play- he's 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 a straight up crossdresser. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Not gonna lie. He's. Uh, I think the he's show says. I think the shows. I think the show says that like he likes going into drag. No, one hundred percent, and he's not ashamed of it, which is awesome, honestly. Yeah, he also never opens his eyes, so it makes the one time that he does open his eyes badass as fuck. Yep. Like that's. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So, playing Alice Kierke is Terry Doty, and playing Liz Kierke is Micah Solsa. Terry Doty, you'll know his characters such as Mikage Sakurai in Asteroid in Love, Kyoko Machi in Interviews with Monster Girls, and Moriko Morioka. Uh, a.k.a. Mori Mori in Recovery of an MMO Junkie. Uh, Mike Asolsad, you'll know his characters such as Ray Ogami in Codebreaker, B in Space Dandy, and Mizuki in Kamisama Kiss. They are both collectively based off of something called The Ant and the Grasshopper, a able, Aesop's fable about uh, essentially a ant who, the ant who basically uh, work all summer uh, work all summer and stuff while the cricket, the grasshopper or the cricket comes up with his fiddle and asks for food and they say, and, they, and they're like, well, why didn't you do it yourself? And he's like, well, I was busy playing all summer. And they're like, well, have fun dying. And they go underground. Wonderful. So, uh, Hardy, why don't you go first? Yes, yes. Um, Terry Doty is playing Terry Doty. <laughs> Here we go again. Uh, <laughs> not wrong. It's it's not wrong. I, I want to claim that it's wrong, but it's really not wrong, especially when you consider that Terry takes a lot of the um, a, a responsibility of the lot of the technical aspects of dubbing. I think she's... Hasn't she done a lot of translation and writing and stuff like that uh, as and well? Let alone ADR stuff, so yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she is the very much the busy bee or the or the studious ant that um, that Alice is, and this, in a lot of ways, sounds just like how Terry would sound in real life if she was talking about uh, working on a dub, um, and, and she even kind of looks a bit like her. If you're not gonna, if we're not lying. Um, can see it yeah you can see it yeah uh but uh but yeah i think that this came out uh, when i first heard terry Doty in a dub it was i think it was for uh for corpse princess mm-hmm. shikibanehime mm-hmm. uh, i wasn't really impressed because she sounded very flat and monotone here she also sounds rather flat and monotone but it fits the character very well because we have the busy ant and um, who is who is working and keeping things together and cohesive, while her her dumbass cousin of a grasshopper 
goes and dresses up as girls and and just basically lazes about all day. Um, and so yeah, I think this this uh, this role really suits her. Um, List though, this is basically Micah Silverside smiling with every. He smiles with every line he delivers. And you can tell that he is doing it because List just sounds so carefree and worryless. Like, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. And then episode 12, episode 11 shows up. Yep. Yeah. List walks in on Rishi and Shiro's fight. And he takes one look at Shiro and he opens his eye. And if you take a close look, even though they're different colors, he has the same wolf-like eyes that Shiro does. Hmm. That boy don't fuck around. Yeah. No. So this is another reason why I'm kind of upset that the show didn't get more episodes. Yeah. Because we could have possibly seen List go full serious. But uh, in other words, you know, List is kind of in the background... He's a crossdresser. He uses that to get what he wants, and uh, he's just kind of a little, little gremlin. But you know, he means well. So that's all I got to say. I think I'm gonna go next for this section. Um, so I, Alice, the first time I watched the show, she was always Terry was always the weakest performance for me, um, and I still think that kind of holds true. Um, Compared to the rest of the Otogi Bank, it's not a bad performance. It just, I don't feel like it measures up to the rest of the cast. Right. I do think it's a little flat. I do think it's a little monotone. I do think when she does have to have her kind of freak out moment, it, it doesn't hit as hard for me, which is when um, the butler says that she is an angry old hag who's uptight. Yep. And like, I feel like when she lets go, it's just, it just didn't hit for me. And... Again, while it's not bad, I think the thing where it does work a lot is when she's running away with Mimi and they get stopped and that guy, the thug goes down and you find out it's List. And I want to give a shout out to both Jade and, uh, and Lucy for this and the mixed team because it is the funniest line. It's oh, yeah. Litsy, thanks. And they're just like, in unison, Litsy? We're like... <laughs> you find out there's like a thing, like she, like they clearly have a thing, because in in the in um the Japanese, the thing is that she calls him Likun, uh, Likun, instead of president or boss. She calls him like a little cutesy nickname together, because I think like they're kind of a thing, even though they're cousins. It's Japan, just get over it. Um, and another really funny line in the show actually is when they're at the pool. And two of uh, uh, Himino's uh, siblings are there. It's like, girl, boys are boys in clothing. Girl, they're a choice. You got. You can either uh, ha- take what you have or go reach for more. <laughs> and they're basically calling her out, for settling on him. Oh my god! And it's like we're cousins. It's like, girl, we know better. Like you like him. And they're just kids they're, are very intuitive. For, precocious they say and you can just kind of hear it in, in terry's voice or it's like uh it's like the awkward awkward laughing intensifies so like i think <laughs> yes. in those little moments terry really got into like what i think works for alice 
And again, because this is only 12 episodes and we don't have the novels, we don't really know what's going on there. And then I've always really liked Micah's list. Like, it's it's probably one of my favorite performances of Micah because it is such a little... He's also kind of a shit gremlin. Mm-hmm. Where, like, he's such a piece of crap. Where it's like, President, you set up the girls to do this. And he's like, whoopsies. And you're just Aww. like... You're just like, oh, you... Oh, he and his wallet paid for it. He and his wallet are just like, he's such a a piece of shit, but like, you know that like, if it came down to it, he is the last guy that you'd want to piss off. Yeah. And you can kind of hear that in Micah's voice where it's just like, it's the customer service voice. Yes. He's got good customer service voice. And I love, like Hardy said, when he, he takes it off and he opens his eye... And he's like, Shiro, if you touch my shit again, I'm going to kill you. Yep. It's like... It's like when someone pisses off Zeno in DBZ Super. You just don't do it. Don't fuck with Cosmic Sarah. And don't fuck with cross-dressing Micah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm done, go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm gonna start with Terry, because I'm pretty much in agreement with everything you guys said. Because, um, Alice is... Where's my fucking note? Alice, as a character, is pretty straightforward, and she's very blunt. She's very observant. Um, but I can agree that there are moments where the monotone, monotone, matter-of-fact kind of manner and voice that Terry does give can be a little bit flat sometimes. It does pull through, especially towards the end of the show and um it does I, I do end up loving the performance for terry i think part of the other issue though is the character of alice herself um being as from what i can tell straightforward and blunt and just kind of very dialed down uh she's she's very much a straight man in this chaotic world <laughs> um and can taking that into consideration i think that's just the kind of character that Terry had to play. And, again, I have not seen the Japanese. I don't know if it's done the same way, and they just did it the same way for consistency's sake. Um, but I can... I, I do agree that sometimes it can be a little bit flat sometimes, and it doesn't pull through at points. Um, this is one of probably the weaker ends for me, um, but it doesn't hurt the dub, and it doesn't... I don't think her performance suffers too terribly from it. It just... I, I have those twinges and moments where it does get a, where some line reads are rather flat. Um, as for Micah, Lord Almighty, this man, um, List is very like nonchalant and casual, and he's just like Meg is right. He's customer service voice, very much customer service voice is what List is and does with everything, and then. It's so much fun and so enjoyable. He's like, the customer's always right. We're gonna do this right and all this fun stuff. But he, it's just so much fun and nonchalant. And then, again, like you guys were saying, you can tell there's something else there about him that nobody quite knows and you don't really get much of a peek into. There are, like, little moments here and there where you could probably sense that there was something about List that was more than just this customer service voice and just like, oh yes, the customer's always right, we gotta do this correctly. 
And then when you get to episode 11 and then you just ha- have this oh shit moment where List is like, you're gonna get, it's like, don't worry, you're gonna get punished in due time. I wouldn't come after us again. Like, that whole thing is like, oh, well then. So, I am just as disappointed that there is no season two because I would love to know List's deal a, a little bit more. Um, but no, I, I do enjoy both these characters. They were some moments I think where Alice was a little bit flat um, but I think part of that does contribute to the character of Alice herself and um, List is just uh, stupid fun he's among some of the shit gremlins in the show and I wish we got to see more of it. So let's move on to our next set of character Um, speaking of shit gremlins gremlins. pretty much the biggest gremlin of all Let's talk about the, uh, the, uh, biggest shit head of all, the biggest shit gremlin of all, uh, Ringo Akai, and her half-sister of all things, uh, Himeno Shiryuki. Ringo Akai is kind of the third lead character. She is Mm -hmm. the girl that when Ryoko transferred over, uh, became her first friend. She is based off of Little Red Riding Hood. Uh, I don't think I need to go into that. She is kind of like the, the, the technical mastermind outside of List. And Himeno Shiryuki is the prettiest, smartest, nicest girl in school who's got seven little brothers and sisters. You find out that she is Ringo's older half-sister and that Ringo's mom was the mistress. And that Ringo's mom kicked Himeno and her, her Himeno out of the house with her yeah. mom and Ringo has always felt guilt because the last thing she said before she left was, are you going to be coming back soon? Not knowing that she was getting kicked out of the fucking house. <laughs> yeah. Poor, poor Himeno. Yeah. He, being Himeno is, is suffering. Um, but but of, of course we all know, before you go too far into it, but we all know which story he, he, Himeno is based off of, I hope. Right? She is based, based off of Snow White. Yeah. She's yeah. based off Snow and, White, but not with And her, her little Rugrats, which yes. are all individually credited and have actual voice actors. Yes. Uh, Ringo is played by Monica Rial, and Jimeno is played by Kara Edwards. Monica Rial knows characters such as Kaede Kayano in Assassination Classroom, Emeralda in The Devil is a Part-Timer, and Mayaya in Princess Jellyfish. Kara Edwards will know characters such as Videl in the Dragon Ball Z franchise, Hikage in Senran Kagura Ninja Flash, and Teddy... Uh, Marinas in Last Exile Fam, The Silver Wing. Uh, Steph, go first. Cool. Uh, I'll start with Kara, because this is going to be short, sweet, and to the point. She is a precious cinnamon roll, good to, to good and pure for this earth, and she deserves all the nice things. Um, there's not a, really a ton to say or talk about with Kara, and I actually didn't really have a, any notes on her either, because that's really Jimeno in a nutshell. She's like, She's very sweet, she's very caring, she takes care of her brothers and sisters, and she's very accepting of her life and her her, her position in life. Um, she has, like, no ill will towards anyone, especially to Ringo, because um, why would she have ill will towards Ringo? Ringo did nothing wrong. Um, and I think Kara's just does really well being this sweet, sweet older almost a maternal figure because that's kind of how she comes off as especially to the younger siblings is more of this maternal figure and 
I just really enjoy it, and Kara does a fantastic job. Um, Kimeno is just not in the show that much. Um, but Ringo. <laughs> Ringo is a huge... We, we've been talking about troll characters throughout the course of the episode. This character is the biggest fucking troll in the entire ep in the entire show and Monica fucking nails it because like Ringo's thing is she's she's very sweet she's very nice she cares about her friends and everything but she also straight up has a, so much sass and is such a savage and will be absolute blunt and call you out on your shit um, not just call you out on your bullshit, but call you out on the sexy time shit. Because she's the one who go who basically bounces off of um, Ryoko, and it's just like, oh, but what about this and this? I thought, but what about this? I what I think you no, what was it? The end of episode eleven. She's like, I think you should, like, shouldn't you reward Ryushi for doing so good? Maybe wear a pair of wolf ears and a tail. No. What about? What about wearing a nice one-piece bathing suit? No. Like, she's such a huge troll. And just calls out so much shit. And, it, it, like, I feel like Megan will, will mention this, too. <laughs> Sometimes lolly characters like this don't work very well. Um... Ringo does. And Monica, I think, has so much fun as just a fantastic little force. But even with her being a majority of a troll, she does have her f good moments where she has, where she is genuine and sincere. Um, i.e. the two obvious ones being with Ryoko and everything that she goes through and with um, her sister Himeno. Um, because uh, of course everything that Megan had just described... So, while the majority of the role of Ringo and the performance is flat-out troll gremlin child, it doesn't mean that that's the only traits that Ringo's character does have, and Monica also was able to portray some of the more sincere and genuine moments as well. Um, like, 100%, even though Lucy is probably my favorite performance of the show, I think Monica is a close second because it just works so well. Um, but yeah, I really love both these performances. We were joking about this before mm -hmm. in the chat. Yeah. I am 100% convinced that Ringo's carrying a fully loaded Glock inside that picnic basket <laughs> yeah. of hers. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Ringo, what's your, favorite, what's your favorite weapon? Glock! <laughs> yep. I Fully loaded, safety off, hammer cocked back I at see all it. times. I see it. Like, die, motherfuckers, die, motherfuckers, steal, fool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, you can see it as early as episode two. She straight up pulls a switchblade out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Ringo Threaten is like. With the switchblade <laughs> She is not afraid of anything. The only thing she's afraid of is confronting her sister. Yes. And eventually that ev even that gets that straightened up. Mm -hmm. No. I think she's just she's just the most down-to-earth effective character in the entire show and mm -hmm. she's not afraid of much and she's she's faithful to her best friend 
even when she trolls her. And, like, if I had to describe the relationship between her and Ryoko, is they're like Jay and Silent Bob. They're hetero life partners. Yeah, I, I see it. <laughs> like, Ryoko is... Not Ryoko. Ringo is the ride or die to Ryoko, 100%. Even yeah. to the Bad point... Bad girls for life. Even to the point where... And I forgot I mentioned... I forgot to bring this up. Even to the point where Ringo does not give a shit... She will kiss her for a fucking dare. By the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, that weird pig yeah. shit. Yeah, the random like. <laughs> I love that one thing. thing. I love that one thing. Why do you talk normal? Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't imagine. I can't help but imagine that one picture of of Ryushi saying, "This is my girlfriend Ryoko, and this is her girlfriend R- yes. Ringo." Yes. One hundred percent. Yes. This is my girlfriend Ryoko, and this is Ryoko's girlfriend Ringo. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. But yeah, no, this is this is definitely a Monica Real role, and she just hams the heck out of mm-hmm. it, and I love it. And um, she she looks like a little red candy apple, if I had to describe she her. She does. It's, it's actually really funny because her name means apple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, and I guess um, what's her name? Snow White was there too. Kara um, Edwards was yeah. here. Kara Edwards doesn't get to do as much stuff as I'd like her to. Right. Um, she isn't in as many things. Funny enough, she played double duties in the rig- Railgun series as two different characters, I believe. Damn. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, she was sweet and kind and kind of just there while her rugrats take it, you know, were just took advantage of her at the water park. So. <laughs> But I really did think it was it was very heartwarming when Ringo basically saves her life by performing CPR. Yeah. And um, and they do have their their meetup with the two sisters. Even though, can we just say Ringo's both of Ringo's parents are awful? Yeah. Yes. Fuck Ringo's parents. Yep. I mean, especially Ringo mom. Did, especially yeah. mom. Ringo did nothing wrong, and yet, like. She blamed herself for yeah. the actions of her parents, and like, that's just the awful. But thankfully, the story ends on a good note between with the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I I like the fact that when things start to go down, episode eleven, mm-hmm. the first person that she's worried about is her sister yes. and her and her. Uh, yeah, well, fuck her, you, her, Shiro. Her, yeah. Is her bigger sister and her old, her younger sibling? So yes. All right. Yeah. Fuck you. That's Shiro. all I got to say. Fuck you, Shiro, for threatening small children. Uh, I'll start with Kara as Himemi, Himeno. She's really cutesy and soft, and I don't think I've ever heard Kara Edwards actually play a cutesy soft girl. Because mm-hmm. like Vanel has kind of some edge to her, and then the other thing I really know uh, Kara for is uh, uh, Breaker of Hearts and Fruits Basket. And if you know who that is, you know who that is. Oh, yep. Snowbell. Oh, yep, yep, I'll just yep, say the yep, word yep, snowbell. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so Monica's Ringo is probably, like, one of my favorite performances in the show. Mm-hmm. She is so good as this, like, little girl who knows that she's hot shit. <laughs> and is, like, is just, like, uh, like, Ringo, like, pushes, pushes, like, a, it's like a cat who, like, pushes something on the floor. And it's like, did I do that? Yep. 
And she's so oh, snarky. No, no. Speaking of cat, she's the cat, the, the video of the cat who's like slowly trying to push the glass off of the table. That's what I said, yeah. That's what she well, is. That's what it made me really think of, though. I'm like, wait. And I think Monica really nails that. She plays the troll as well as Lucy. Mm-hmm. And yet she also has those moments where like she has to be serious. And that's where I think she really excels. Like when she says, I want my big sister and cries to Himeno. And then when she's on the bed and she sees Ryuko cry. Yeah. And being like, can someone please believe me? Mm-hmm. And like in that moment, she's like, I don't know you very well, but you are now my best friend. And she's very smart. And I like that she kind of plays her as very precocious. Like, the line where she says the thing that will get us in trouble is delivered so well. And I love when she is such a shit to Mimi about how Mimi's stealing her gag. Oh, God. The show and itself start- is so self-aware. And, like, where Mimi and her start cursing at each other. And the narrator's just like, bleep! Oh, we are going straight to DVD for this. I was about to say, side note, Lucy's bleeps are fucking great. Just, yeah, and all I've got to say is, uh, when Ringo said she didn't like her mommy, you knew she was a no-good kid. But when she threatened your knife with a switch late life, what a girl, Mickey cry, und I did. (laughs) Fuck. Okay. Five bucks for everybody who knows what that's from. Um, uh, I don't. I feel like I should, but... I feel like you've both... I don't know if Hardy's seen the movie. I know you've probably seen the movie, but you probably don't remember that song. Because I don't think anybody ever remembers that song. It's likely true that I don't remember. Like, that's... that's it's. I'll explain what it is after the episode, so... Okay. But no, I, I really like Ringo. And I really like Monica's performance. And I think this is what I think a lot of people really like in Monica performances. Mm-hmm. Is that she knows how to tote that line between being really comedic and being absolutely dramatic so well. And in a show like this, which does lend a little bit more towards comedy, but she has to be one of the characters that, like, when the time comes, okay, Monica, I need you to be, like, a dropping at the hat and changing. And she works. So, that's all I have to say. Let's move on to our final set of characters, our little lovebirds. Our not-so-lovebirds. Our not-so-lovebirds. So Ryoshi Morino and Ryoko Okami. Ryoshi Morino is a boy who has a phobia of being stared at. Who might be a total wuss, but at the end of the day, he's going to do everything he can for his lady. And if that means getting punched, kicked, stabbed, kidnapped, hit with steel-toed boots, or becoming the Japanese sniper, he'll do it. Ryoko Okami is a girl who acts tough, but deep down she likes cute girly things and trusts too much and it has burned her in the past. She is a tsundere, but deep down, you just want to hug this girl and tell her it's going to be okay and kick anyone's ass who hurts her. Mm-hmm. Probably with her. And together they form the greatest fighting duo. Uh, they are both obviously based off of Little Red Riding Hood, Ryoshi being the hunter and Ryoko being the big bad wolf. Yes. Um, Ryoshi is played by Joel McDonald and Ryoko is played by Brina Palencia. Joel McDonald, your newest character such as uh, Kiko Morina, Mimura in uh, Sasashi Classroom, Medusa in Shangri-La, and Dylan Dow Alberto in the Funimation dub of The Vision of Escaflone. 
Yes, because Dylan Dow is the character you think of when you look at Ryoshi and go, these two were played by the same person. Oh, Dylan Dow, you bitch. <laughs> um, Brina Palencia plays characters such as Priscilla in Claymore, Sora in Oedo Rocket, and Sakura in Zombieland Saga. You're leaving out the most obvious one. <sighs> Fine! She's hollow in Spice and Wolf! Are you happy now? <laughs> I, I am, I am. I we, we had to bring it we had to bring it up because the little chibi in the OP made she looks just like Holo. She looks like Holo if Holo was on the street. Yeah. Oh my god. Holo. Ding ding, time for economics, motherfucker. Stock market in, in my left hand, I have the Dow Jones. In the right times, it's the S P. And we're about to take you to Forbes. And we're about to take you to Wall Street. <laughs> no, you know how we were talking about how uh, how Mimi needs the muda 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 muda? Yes. And this is now Ryoko. This is now Holo with boxing gloves. Reagan, 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 Her her stand is literally Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Oh no, we'll lose it, Hardy. Shit, don't die on us, man. We're not done yet. I think, correction, this is now the highlight. He's doing that to the to the Berlin Wall. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Reagan, 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 well, well, I guess now the truth can finally be told. Fuck. So who gets to have Barack Obama as their stand? Well, I guess the truth can now finally be told. Oh, God. That's almost spot on right there. So, oh, shit. Yeah. So who gets Jimmy Carter as their well, 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 I guess the truth can finally be told. Oh, no. <laughs> Stop, we're getting, like, the ghost, I'd say the we ghost gonna of Ronald Reagan's so gonna go punch trouble. us in the face. We're gonna get in so much trouble, stop. <laughs> so, uh, Spaceman Hardy, would you like to, no, you went first last time. Steph, go ahead. <coughs> oh, sweet baby Jesus, Hardy's gonna get us in so much trouble right no, now. No, he's, he's good, I allow it. I, I literally made a joke about Ben Shapiro being unable to find the clitoris last episode I was on. We're good. <laughs> You, you gotta love them world famous homeless girls. Oh, Jesus Christ, stop it. <laughs> no. Fuck. Fuck. Oh, I both love and hate you bastards so much. I love you, Steph. Oh, God. Um, I'm gonna actually start with Ryoko on this one. Because this is Brina Palencia playing Brina Palencia as Brina Palencia. Like, pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Um,. This is what you would normally associate Brina Palencia as, 100%. Does that mean it's generic and I hate it? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, Ryoko, because Megan des- described Ryoko as someone, as a tough girl, but on the outside, but like soft and just very girly on the inside, basically. And Brina has to walk that line. Most of it is the outward appearance, outward appearance of being this tough as nails, like kick ass kind of girl, and of course, Brina absolutely nails that one hundred percent, no questions asked. Um, that part of the performance is spot on. 
But I think the real points where Brina gets to shine is when the tough exterior is gone. And she's this... basically becomes this vulnerable little girl again. And especially the shit relating to Shiro. Like, that in and of itself would be very hard for anyone, I would think, to portray. Especially the um, connotations and the um, accusations and the illusion of, yes, this is something that Shiro did. Shiro did assault her. You know what I mean? So, having to portray moments and scenes like that, and basically, because Ryoko 100% has PTSD. 100%. <laughs> after this experience and having to portray that is not an easy feat so the tough exterior being Ryoko's coping mechanism essentially for her PTSD and when you know this it gives so much more depth to not only Ryoko as a character but to Brina's portrayal of Ryoko because you have these those very very vulnerable moments and you see this tough exterior and the walls come down and you see just this very hurt girl wanting someone to believe in her after all the shit she's been put through and having like these very huge trust issues because of it so i really really love brina's portrayal of the character like, again, I described it as Brina Palencia is Brina Palencia playing Brina Palencia, which is accurate. However, Ryoko is so much more than that. 100%. And having to portray those layers, and and for me, coming back to the show, watching it again after so much, so many years, and knowing what happened to Ryoko after that first watch anyway, it gives so much depth and much more meaning to Brina's Brina's performance as Ryoko. Um, so, uh, 100% kudos to her for that portrayal. Uh, <laughs> as for Joel, <laughs> as for Yoshi, oh, he is a precious being that you want to see all have all the good things come to him. <laughs> um, he's such a cute little shy boy. He's a sweetheart. And you are just rooting for him the whole time. Like, we're rooting for you, buddy. We want you to have your girl, your girl Ryoko love you back. Um, granted, he's a little bit of a stalker uh, in the beginning. And uh, <laughs> um, he can be very unassuming. And you, 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 he's referred to on multiple occasions as a screw-up throughout the entirety of the show. But, again, that's also just, one, just a general outward appearance because deep inside Ryoshi does have this confidence and this determination that he just wants to protect the girl he loves and over the course of the show you really see him growing into that more and more and Joel's performance like Ryoshi's character does grow with it and I fully appreciate that but he's still cute and adorable when he gets all flustered and shy 100%. <laughs> like, I love Ryoshi's character, and I love Joel's performance of him very, very much. And I just want to root for him. Like, all the way. Um, but in but in general, both these performances are, I think, very, very strong. 
Um, and they do help carry the show, along with, I think, along with Monica, since, Megan, I think you are right, Ringo is basically, like, the third lead character in this whole show, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the two of them, plus Monica, definitely carry the show through, and I just really appreciate that 100%. Now that you mention it, Stephanie, mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of thinking that Ringo is pretty much... Ryoko's exceed. Oh my god. Why? Why are we going this direction? Like, you can't have a family. They're not directly related, but you can't have a proper family without them. So so Ringo is the happy to Natsu and Lucy's relationship. Fuck you. Fuck you right now. (laughs) Get out. You bastard. Fuck you. No. no. I mean... <laughs> I hate you. Sorry. No, you no, you love me. I do love you, but right now I hate you. But, um... I, I do kind of wonder if maybe Brina did get cast because the character does resemble Holo so very closely. I, I don't... I don't want to think that, but... I doubt it. It kind of doesn't make... It kind of does make sense. I doubt beca- it. What's interesting is that... Excuse me, I'm very burpy right now. Digest your food properly. Yeah. <laughs> Never. Um, but, um... Never. You're gonna fucking... Sh- fucking explode your intestines and everything. What the fuck? And you wondered where Majolaga got her fart bombs from. Oh, no. Ew. (laughs) Shit. It was me all along. Oh, no. It was me, Austin. (laughs) (laughs) It was me. It was me, Ryoko. It was me all along. You bastard. (laughs) No. No, it was interesting. When I first watched this, I actually rented it from a video store. (gasps) From an oh anime yes. video store. Clutch the pearls. What? Yes. But uh, but I remember actually being able to listen to the commentaries before. Because that was back when it used to be they actually put the commentaries up on Funimation.com for you to listen to. But mm. now they're sort of a Blu-ray exclusive. Okay. And, uh, and Brina and Monica were on the commentary. And she made a comment. And it's like, hey, isn't it cool that... The two lead roles are both Hispanic. Yeah. And I'm like, yep. you're right. I'm like, that is really cool. And so even back then, I think that they were striving to make uh, people of color as more of a main thing in anime dubs. But And that was eight years ago. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I think that Brina's a very well-established actress, and even without her previous connection to Holo the Wise Wolf, she really pulled this off because she mentions herself that back in her early career, she used to get cast as the tomboys and the little boys. And then all of a sudden she got cast as a hot chick. <laughs> yeah. And so here, as we, in this dub particular, she kind of gets to play both. Because Ryoko is very, very attractive, and yet she is a huge tomboy. And so I think it's sort of the best of both worlds that she gets to play this character. And 
I will admit, my favorite line of hers is, hell nah. <laughs> to this day, back in the day, I was I loved it, and to, and right now, I still love it. So, yeah, I just, I think Brina is awesome as Okami-san, and I still one day hope for the day that we will get a death battle with her and Taiga from Toradora. Oh, shit. Marissa! Marissa! And my ho- and because they're not allowed to play each other's characters, I hope that Brina plays Taiga and uh, Cassandra plays Ryoko. That'd be funny as hell. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, as far as Ryushi goes, um, we've seen... Joel play the innocent sweet beans before. It's this is basically jacuzzi without the accent. Yeah, it really is, but it's yeah. still precious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and going. I think it's kind of a bit of a downgrade to watching him play this character and then going on to play the the um, invincible male leads in Sky Wizards and. All the ramen in the sky. Mm. <laughs> All the ramen in the sky. Ruth still technically needs to still do his one man episode on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, That's right. He hasn't done yeah. that yet. Shit, Sorry, we gotta remind him. I have to throw you into the box. Well. Yeah. It's, te- it's technically pronounced Alderaman, but, you know. We, we still call it All the Ramen in the Sky. All I'm the Ramen in the Sky. I'm a message into the chat now because. <laughs> no, leave him alone. He's sleeping. <laughs> All right, leave that boy alone. But, oh, no. fine. I think Joel is at his best when he does play these sort of innocent bean characters because he he also plays I'm Still Twinkling in My Hero Academia, who is also supposedly an innocent bean character. But um, but yeah, you know I think no, I think he's at his best when he plays these sort of sheepish, uh, you know cowardly guys who at the when when they're pressed at their very limit that's when they release their true powers and that's why I was so disappointed when Ryoshi clocked Shiro and the fight ended right there I wanted to see them go all out I wanted to see him take Shiro down a peg I wanted to see him kick Shiro's ass oh yeah and that's all you get from me I'll start with Ryoshi and I also like when Joel plays butt monkeys um <laughs> I, I'm sorry, it's true. It's Joel's true. really good at it. And they're really endearing. Like, Jacuzzi, uh, his character, Laughing Under the Clouds, is another one of my favorites. Whose name I sadly can't remember, but you know exactly who I'm talking about. I'm trying to remember. He's that one guy that is the new dude to the uh, to the Eric Vale squad, and they're just basically like, can you please just go talk to the Kuma brothers? Oh, and he yeah, tries yeah. to And he tries to, he tries to smart-ass Tenka. Yep, I remember now. Okay. He Does he... To, does- does yeah, he, he cheat cheat Tenka out of the slaying of the Oroshi? No, he does not cheat Tenka out of it. He goes up with he goes up with Sora, who's I can't say he's his new boyfriend because Sora's clearly banging Jamie's girl in that show. But I mean, Sutaro and Chu, uh, Sora and Shutaro both go up. Yes, to fight the Oroshi. He's that, yes, he is the guy that cheats Tenka out of killing the Orochi. Ah, I see. That butt monkey. But, like, even his care, even, like, Twinkling Boy is kind of a butt monkey. But, like, I'm with you where I, I don't necessarily always enjoy Joel playing the brooding guy. Like, except for maybe Zaref in Fairy Tale. I did kind of like his performance there. 
And then um, there's Jeha. <laughs> listen, he's still the best part of that dub, and you could fucking fight me. No, I love Jeha, 100%. <laughs> you could fight me on that. It's he's like you would still never the best part of that dub. Joel in that kind of role, and then it's like Jeha. Please like, make me you. a Yona season. Please, Studio Perot. Please just give a bitch a Yona season two. Please. But no, I really liked. I really liked his performance as Ryoshi because he is very sweet and charming, and there's kind of like a little bit of a rasp mm-hmm. to his voice. Yep. Where it's like, ah! like you can tell this is a guy who screams a lot. I just, it's such a sweet and charming and cute little performance. Like, is it maybe the best of Joel's repertoire? No. no. I think you, like Cardi said, you could probably you get a very similar performance that's I think a lot a bit better. In Bacano, which mm. is sadly not legally streaming like this is, so thanks, Anaplex. But man, uh, Brina as Ryoko is really good. And I'm with Hardy, which is, I would love to see Cassandra Morris play Ryoko and see Brina Palencia play Taiga. Because I feel like they're performances that very much rely on the same thing. And I really also want to compliment definitely the, the, that change in Ryoko's tone between her little self and her big self. Yes. Where, like, bigger self is a lot more gruffer and tougher, and younger self is a lot more softer and scared. Mm-hmm. And I think that Brina walks the line with Ryoko, who is a character that, like, everyone who's never watched the show goes, ooh, look, Sundere. But then you realize a lot of it is she's had to toughen herself after being assaulted, mm-hmm. and she's gone through this immense trauma, and the show does not sugarcoat it or ever play it for laughs. No. Like, a lot of other shows do. Fairy tale. No, um, I, I appreciate that they don't play this up for laughs. Yeah, no, like, Shiro is a complete monster, and he is mm-hmm. never, ever, ever, ever seen as comedic in any way, shape, or form. Yep. Um, and I think that, like you guys said, Brina does a really good job, and I like that Brina does this type of character, actually. I really like her playing these kind of more tomboyish girl characters, but, and, and that's maybe just because I don't like the character very much. Mm-hmm. Um... I, I never really got into her playing Juvia, probably because I don't like the character. And I do I do think that, like, my own perception of, I like this character, therefore I like this performance, is there. And there are points of Ryoko's character that I can see absolutely turning off people. Like, she is a really huge dickhole to Ryoshi, but to be fair, he did stalk her. Right. That is that is accurate, yeah. That is, yeah, that like, is, that is a fair to be completely fair... She is, she is, she has every right to be kind of a dick to him. Yes. Like, he has protected her and stuff, but a lot of their relationship is still banked off the fact that he fucking sucked her. Mm-hmm. At so least he, I, he did come clean with it. Yeah, he admits that he's an asshole for it. So, like, thank God. And the show kind of dunks on him a lot for being a stalker. Oh, yeah. The, the show and, likes to dunk on him. And Lucy I like, calls him out within the first two episodes, oh, I, yeah. I think. And one of the things I really like is the play off of their voices with Joel being on the softer, lighter side and, and, and kind of a little bit higher. I think Joel's voice is actually a tiny bit higher pitched than Brina's. A little bit. And it works. It and be. I genuinely mm. really liked it. So we have been at this long enough. Um, oh my god, I'm going to have fun editing this too. <laughs> yeah, have fun, bitch. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> starting off our final thoughts with one Mr. Spaceman Hardy. I forgot how much I enjoyed this show. I blasted through it in about two or three days uh, last weekend, and uh, yeah, I it's a it's a cute little show. It's got its ups, it's got its downs. It can get really cute. It can get r- surprisingly dark 
especially when you read into the lore of the um, of the novels and everything, it can get really, really dark. But it's always got its heart on its, heart on its shoulder, and it's an easy show to breeze through. It's not complete. That was my main critique of it. But if you've got three days, you can spend your time worse than marathoning this show and just really getting a kick out of it. If for no other reason than the narrator alone. Narrator has her problems because she does speak up when she doesn't need to. And she speaks up way too much. And it drowns out the dialogue from the actual characters uh, who experiencing the actual story. But I think the good way outweighs the bad because even when the narrator picks up the show always has its mind it's hard on its sleeve and it's, it, it breaks the fourth wall constantly mm-hmm. and let me just say that it would be a fan disservice to you if you skip out on it uh, I see what you did <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that means it's my turn. Yes. Mm-hmm. I also forgot how much I really like this show. <laughs> and I'm so happy we're coming to it and talking about it. Because it's been a few years since I watched it. And um, I'm going to have to agree with a lot of things that Hardy has just said. Because this show is such a wonderful little gem that's kind of tucked away. That not many people really get to talk about. And it's kind of upsetting to me. Um... The show itself, again, like Hardy was saying, it has a lot of fun. It's this very energetic and comedic show, but it does also know when to bring it down to earth and to ground it, especially for these dramatic moments and particularly those moments that deal with very heavy subject matter. Like, 100%. It doesn't sugarcoat it. It doesn't play it for laughs. It just, this is what it is. And I 100% appreciate the show for doing that. I also appreciate the dub for handling that material very seriously. Um, because if it was played up for last, this we'd be having a completely different conversation about this show right now. Hell, if it did, I bet Megan wouldn't have picked it for us to cover this readily. <laughs> nope. No. Like, no. no. Um, that being said, the dub is just so much fun. Again, it goes with it complements the show very well with this fun energy to it, um, bombastic moments, and such these these fun characters and these performances that you can't help but fall in love with it. Um, but again, it and again it it bring it does ground us when we need to. Um, it's not a one note show. It's not a one trick pony. There are a lot of different layers to it, and the dub does very well with this. Um, <laughs> if you are a person who doesn't like their scripts taking a decent amount of liberties with it, that might be the one thing that turns you off. Other than that. <laughs> but if you are okay with shit like that, random Disney references, fun little one-liners like fucking Bouncy Time and PYT and a puss reference, like, if you love that shit- And oh my- Oh my spleen. And oh my spleen. Oh my spleen. Oh my spleen. You're gonna love this. If oh you, my spleen. If you love shows that will sometimes troll you in the best way possible, you're gonna love this show and you're gonna fall in love with this stuff. Um, 
very solid. I would say underrated. Please go watch the show. This is a dub that at the end of the day, you're going to ask it to kick you in the face harder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mostly because you'll want more of the show like I did. Because I yes. remember I was I, I, I watched the end of the show and I was like, it's like that, that gif of Zuko going through the school going, wait, where's the rest of it? Yes. Um, again, agreed. Completely with Seth. If you do not like a script, a, a script that's going to take a lot of liberties with the dub, if you are not going to like uh, little in-jokes and little idiosyncrasies, this is not the dub for you. Mm-hmm. Just don't even do it. Like, I'm just going to say it right now. If you have a lot of problem with scripts that Jamie Markey's written, don't even try the dub for this. Just don't do it. You're not going to like it. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to make a Twitter post about it. Yep. And frankly, just don't waste your time. Just just don't do it. If you and- are willing to put up with that, there are a lot of really good performances in here. There are a lot of really fun performances in here. It's a dub that, at the end of the day, do I think this is, like, one of the best things that Funimation's ever put out? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get a lot of enjoyment out of this because I've always really liked this dub and I've always really liked this show. Um, it is it is kind of an underrated favorite for me. This is a show that I, I like to watch, and I've gotten a lot of people to, who are in the cast to autograph this. This is a show of mine that is one of my favorites. Like, maybe not my, my top 10, but it's, like, within my top 50. Probably top 30. But I really enjoyed the dub. I like a lot of the performances. I'd probably have to say that this is probably, like, when people ask me, like, what is one of the funniest anime dub performances, I'll probably say Lucy Christian's narrator. Oh, 100% agree. It's it's a great time if you want to just kill a couple of days because, hey, maybe, maybe you're not into all of this new seasonal stuff because it's not getting dubbed as fast as you want or there's too much of it or, hey, this is a lot of genre stuff that doesn't appeal to me. This is a show that I can say, just like, yeah, go put it on for like a day and you'll be, you'll be entertained and, and stuff. So if you'd like to watch Okami-san or Stuffing Companions, you can watch it on Funimation.com, both sub and dub. You can also buy, I believe there are a couple Blu-ray releases of it at this point. I believe so. Um, I know I have the, or the I have the original release. I, I have, have the original, original release. The standard. Here's the thing, because I double checked on it with Best Buy. You can buy either the Blu-ray only Essentials release. Okay, yeah, I for, did get re-released for Essentials, I forgot. Or you could buy the early Blu-ray and DVD combo release, the S-A-V-E edition. Yes. For the same, same price. price. Yes. Yep. Because yeah. they so, rebranded the save label as Essentials. Exactly. Label, so. Yeah. So... And one, you get a digital download. The other, you get a DVD hard copy. Mm-hmm. It's yours to choose. They're both the same price. And, and they both have yeah. the commentaries. Yes. yes. Yes, they do. I would just like to add on to what Megan said mm-hmm. about liberties being taken in dubs. Mm-hmm. Colleen Kligabeard directed this show. Jamie Markey already also wrote for it if you have if you are the type of person who has a problem with liberties being taken in dubs do you also want to know a show that these two worked on together that a lot of people liked I I, I feel like is I'm it Rin daughter is it Rin daughter of Embassine? no it is not why what? do I want to say Stein 
Panty and stocking with Garterfield. I forgot. Garter belt, not Garterfield. <laughs> Gar- Panty and stocking with Garterfield. Garter belt. I forgot that they were the team on that one. They were, yes. Yeah. And, you can, in, yeah. and, and you can watch in the commentaries that Jamie specifically said, the Japanese specifically asked her to make it as offensive as possible. Mm-hmm. So... If you, if any of you guys out there have any issues with Jamie's writing, and yet you love the Pentagon's talking dub, that's on you guys. Yeah, like not every, not everybody's gonna like it because, let's be real, there are sometimes scripts that people don't like how it's handled. Not just saying Jamie, but in general, in multiple um, people, in general. That there are scripts that writers have handled that people don't like. And that's understandable. This could be a case that you don't. But fuck you, this script is fun. <laughs> I'm just saying. All of us like it, but again, it's, that's to each their own. Yes. And, uh, anyway, speaking of which, if you would like to make us at one point watch Panty and Stocking. Yes. <laughs> did you yes. know that? That'd be fun. Uh, we, did you know that you can support us on the regular? through Patreon, and it was a one-time donation to Kofi, and that our podcast would not be what it is without our lovely Patreons, including B. Morris, Michelle Travis, The Miraculous Corazon, and Victor Meborda, and our $10 patrons who every so often get to make a nice little uh, Patreon request in a raffle, and you could be that person who makes us watch Panty and Stocking. But we want to thank our $10 Patreons, Carla Lestical, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, J2, a.k.a. Jared, Julia W., Marissa Lenti, Nico Robin, but with Yowie Hands, and Otaku Anthony. Um, If you'd like to find us, the Dub Talk Podcast, you can follow us at Twitter, uh, Twitch, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Tumblr's Dead. You can also listen to us on, I believe, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Correct. You can listen to us on the go, not just on YouTube, but with Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our RSS feed is mostly on Podbean. Yes. Your ways. Thanks, Steph. Um, I'm going to show them for themselves tonight because I want to end this episode. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I've done it to you plenty of times. I, I would like to pee and go to sleep. Fair. I need to take a shower. Fair. Uh, you can follow her at Lilac Anime Review, review spelled R-U-V-U-E. You can also follow her at lifeandtimesotaku.wordpress.com. Yes. Uh, as well as, I think you have a photography Twitter now, but I don't remember what it is. <laughs> Um, well, I haven't really promoted it. Uh, I'm trying to start up a photography business of my own. Details to come later, I will just say. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. He's Spaceman Hardy. He posts pictures of goats. And, and animals. And, I do. And, and donkey stuff. Pants! And Donkey Pants. Uh, you can hang out with him. He's one of the moderators on the Funimation Discord, as the forums have unfortunately taken their bow, and they will see a Space Cowboy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You can follow him at Spaceman Hardy. Uh, I'm Megan. I ship post. You can follow me at Queen Air 2. Alright, guys. Time to close this book and go back to our other Dub Talk elves. It's time... Go pee! To pee and to yes. lock Andrew in Torture Dungeon. <gasps> yes. I have to record uh, so many more episodes in the coming weeks. Fuck my life. So, Hardy, what would you like to torture Andrew with tonight? Oh boy. I would just like to say that all is well that ends well. Mm-hmm. But Good but- night, everybody. Good night, everybody. And- Otaku on, and remember, where are you gonna be when Reaganomics comes for you? <laughs> <laughs> Alright. <laughs>
Yep. <laughs> Say goodnight. Good night, everyone. Say goodnight and leave out some trickle down for Mr. Ra- the ghost of Mr. Reagan, or we're never getting out of this. <laughs> Goodbye. Good night. I'm pushing the stop button. Thank you very much. Goodbye.